This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 82 or sorry 83 i've done that so many freaking times on the show now um this week we're here with a bonus episode our second episode of the week to discuss the voices of wrestling match of the year um poll for 2018 the poll will have all come out by the time you're listening to this um we're discussing it on the eve of the last day, but we have all the results in front of us. And just like last year, I have a, I would say, an eclectic collection of guests from all over different corners of wrestling fandom who all participated in the Voices of Wrestling poll. So these are all voters um, of the 200-something num- you know, uh, voters that participated this year. So basically, all of us here are going to give our picks. We're going to reveal our top 10 one by one, and then why we picked that match where we picked it, if you were surprised by how it did, all that good stuff. And we're going to start here by introducing the guests. First off, Mr. Kevin Chait. Hello, Kevin. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on. First time guest at Omakase. We have a few of those, actually. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, for people who haven't seen my work so far, I mostly write for Voices of Wrestling, and I mostly write about Australian wrestling, because... I'm in Australia, where, as I said before we got started, it's currently, I believe, 88 degrees Fahrenheit, which is probably <laughs> the complete opposite to most of your listeners yeah, in terms of the we're, we're like, here in America, it's been like uh, the Northeast, at least, and the Midwest has been really bad. thought my face was going to fall off walking home from work yesterday. But, yeah, um, you know. So, as I said... As I said, I mostly write about Australian wrestling. Um, I have a preview that just went up on Voices of Wrestling of tomorrow's uh, Explosive Pro Wrestling show, and I should have a review of the new Underworld Wrestling episode coming up soon as well. All right, cool, Kevin. Thank you for coming on. Um, Up next is Derek, another first-time guest. Um, You probably would know him better as Private Eyeball on Twitter. So Derek is here to represent Joshi Twitter. Yes, I am. Great to be here. Uh, yeah, Private Eyeball, PrivateEyeball.com is what I'm credited for on the uh, poll. I'm also a stardom, a Joshi subreddit uh, moderator, but uh, haven't been there lately. Probably shouldn't be a mod anymore. <laughs> you you and I were like 
in the same place and somehow never met each other, right? Because weren't we both at the Long Beach, that strong style of Valve show? We were. I was being a shut-in with family, and I think you were out being social beforehand or yeah. after or something. Yeah. But so. it's cool to have you on the show, though, finally. Yeah, it's great to be here. All right. Thanks, Derek. Um, also, we have on Sean, of course, a, a repeat guest on the show, covers Ring of Honor for Voices of Wrestling. Hi, Sean. Hello. How are you doing, John? I'm okay. A little under the weather, actually, but show must like go you, on all that. Like you, I'm also trying to stay warm to make sure my face doesn't fall off. <laughs> but uh, other than that, what you've been up to? Um, not much, really. Just uh, just again, just just trying to stay warm as best I can. You know, I like the snow. I really like the snow, but the cold. Especially like the, the bitter cold is not really nice. Sean, you like the snow? I thought like who likes snow past like twelve years old? Well, well, I mean, I I don't I don't like hate the snow, which is kind of strange since I'm allergic to the cold because I have this condition called cold urticaria, which basically means that uh, if I'm not uh, properly covered when I go outside, I break out in, in like hives all over my body, and it's not very very good. So it does sound really bad. Yeah, yeah, but it's like as long as you like wear it, as long as you're not stupid and don't run out in like your like shorts and whatnot, you're I'm fine. But yeah, yeah I I don't mind snow. It's just the cold this can be really uh, m- more painful for me than probably most other people. I don't know if I had a condition like that. I think I live in like Miami, but <laughs> very, very brave. Um, I mean, I want to live. In, I want to move someplace warm every time we get through a season like this, but. Just never go through with it. Don't so. we all? Don't we all? Yeah. All right. Thanks, Sean. Um, another first time guest here, TJ. I don't know what you're representing, TJ. I guess like Russell One Twitter. I don't know. You can tell me. You can... Yeah, basically. I um if you notice there's a Russell One English account that's run by me. Pretty much been doing it since November. Really got into it in the past year or two. Decided no one's really translating or even bothering with Russell One, so I'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's always cool when people. I, they keep, there's an all Japan English Twitter now too. There was like a, I think, well, the DDT one's like quasi official, but yeah, there's a lot of them popping up lately. Uh, yeah, it's good to see a bunch of promotions trying, at least, or people trying to help other promotions. See, now are you like me and trying to suffer through learning Japanese, or are you like the guy who runs Dramatic DDT, who's been doing Google Translate for like 20 years? Uh, this is my first time really doing translation, but I've been studying Japanese for years. Yeah, it's very difficult. So do not recommend if you're listening. To this. Yeah, but, if you want to know why I started learning Japanese is when I was in college and it was cheaper than the Spanish textbook. That's literally it. <laughs> oh, it's a good origin story, I guess. All right, thanks, t- thanks TJ. Um, and now we have returning guest, Kevin Hare, of course, formerly of the Burning Spirits podcast, I guess, currently at Voices of Wrestling. What's yes, up, sir. Kevin? What's going on, John? Thank you for having me back. I told you last year I would be back for this year, and I feel like kicking and screaming, here I am. Kicking and screaming? I had to, I had to drag you? <laughs> I think a few, no, uh, well, I guess the other direction, actually. The uh, Oh. You, oh, the, you, you were you trying and... to kick me out. I kicked <laughs> and screamed, and you were like, all right. I guess we'll be back. I don't. I I don't remember any kicking or screaming, but maybe you're right. I don't know. <laughs> the kicking and screaming has been me on Twitter today. But 
True. Uh, but what what have you been up to other than that? Uh, not too much really at all. Watching wrestling, but not talking about it anywhere. So, yeah. Here I am. All right. Thanks, Kevin. And finally, we have on another first time guest, Mr. Mass Refter, Mongo underscore ebooks, uh, MRT, Chris, <laughs> quote unquote, if that's even your real name. What's up? It's definitely my real name. Uh, <laughs> so I guess I have so many uh, names that I don't get to represent any part of Twitter, which is fine since I don't think anyone actually listens to me. <laughs> You represent uh, the big tr- calling WWE the big Trump f- fundraiser Twitter. I, I represent the New York sixty four tournament. <laughs> New York sixty four is that what you put down of your as your qualifications? Uh, no, you put no. down the mon- you put down the monumental podcast probably. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. I, I don't put down qualifications. <laughs> my my only uh, requirement to vote in the re- the awards was that they asked me and they asked me. Oh, I, I see. But I did put down the podcast. Yeah. So nice to have you on here, buddy. What's what's been happening? I've been uh, nearly crashing vehicles into other vehicles due to the snow, which I thought I liked until last week. Yeah, snow fucking sucks. Um, all right, thanks for coming on, and let's get into the top ten. Start with number ten. Easy place to start. Uh, go reverse order here. And Kevin, Kevin C., let's say, because I don't have to say the last name the whole time. What is your 10th place match of the year for 2018? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. I was just checking that I'd unmuted properly. So my number 10 match was Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar from Survivor Series. It's my only WWE match in my list, so it was by default my WWE match of the year. It was a long-time dream match for me, and it wasn't, I think, how any of us ever expected to eventually see Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar, (laughs) a heel versus heel match on two days build. But, yeah, I thought it was brilliant and probably one of the best heel versus heel matches I've seen in a WWE environment. Well, they they really went, like, just full on with Bryan as, like, the underdog, which I guess is the only way to do it. But yeah, I mean, that, it was a pretty awesome match. Um, I definitely don't blame you at all for having it where you did. Yeah, what's interesting is that it almost feels like it's an exorcism of the old Daniel Bryan uh, and kind of the rebirth of his new character. I thought that was interesting. And if anyone's seen, Bryan did an interview with Newsweek recently, I think, where he's talking about his thinking process of putting the match together and putting it together on such short notice. And Daniel Bryan's one of those guys, when you actually get to read or listen to him talk about wrestling, it's fascinating to hear how his mind works in terms of putting a match together or trying to get the kind of emotional response he wants out of the audience. Yeah. Um, So this ended up finishing 19th, it looks like, which is almost the WWE main roster match of the year on the, on the overall list. Uh, it just loses out to Becky and Charlotte in 12th, but you could call it the men's WWE main roster match of the year. Um, yeah. You, I, I, I figured know. it would end somewhere around where AJ Styles and Lesnar finished last year. So I'm not that surprised it's in the top 20, but I think, yeah, out of what we saw on the main roster, to me, it's the standout. Yeah. 
All right, thanks, Kevin. Uh, Derek, what did you have as your 10th place match of 2018? In 10th place, I had from December 17th, Marvelous, Mikoto Shindo versus Mei Hoshizuki. Okay, you're all yours for this one, buddy. I have no idea. Oh, yeah. Uh, these were uh, two rookies, both in uh, within the first four months or so of actually wrestling. But it was basically a match of two teenage girls throwing everything that they possibly have learned at this point, trying to kill each other. That does sound pretty awesome. It's pretty great. Um, I was hesitant to even go back and watch it because I didn't watch it as soon as it uploaded, but I got pushed into it, and I'm very glad I did because it might be the most entertaining rookie like match I have seen in maybe ever. It was really <laughs> intense for two four foot eleven teenagers going at it. Now I'm going to take a stab and guess that your tenth place vote is the only vote this match received. Most of my votes were the only votes uh, <laughs> though, of those matches. So uh, yeah, it's a running theme there. But so you're this was like literally the very bottom of the list in Sadness Village. One point. Yeah. 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 So, so look, someone's got to rep those, and you repped it proudly. Yeah. Happy to do it. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. Uh, Sean, tenth place match for 2018. Okay, so the match that I had in tenth place was uh, uh, an Evolve Championship match from Mercury Rising 2018 on a uh, WrestleMania weekend. It was Matt Riddle defending against Will Ospreay. Um, and when I sort of go through the process of putting together my top ten, I usually reserve that tenth spot as sort of like a. Um, match not that I don't necessarily think is my 10th best or 10th best match of the year, but sort of something that I feel like deserves to be on there that I just want to give a vote to. And I felt that this one really deserved it because it was, it was, a, I think it only went like 12 or 13 minutes. It wasn't that long, but it was awesome for the, the, the time that lasted, you know, Osprey was just coming off of that, um, the match with Marty Skrull in New Japan where he nearly killed himself. So it was a question as to whether like he, this match would even happen. Cause I know there was a conjecture. Oh, is he going to even make it, but he made it and he still had, you know, awesome matches with this one probably being the, I, I would say the best match of WrestleMania weekend for my money. Um, the spot that sticks out in my mind still is I think at one point, uh, Riddle had Osprey in a choke of some kind and Osprey just climbed up to the top and then he just dropped back off right to the right to the mat. I think he landed like right on his neck. It was a brutal spot, but yeah, the match was pretty awesome. Riddle was playing a I think a subtle heel on that. He's being real dick to Osprey and I think this, that just added a lot to it cuz you really don't uh you really don't see Riddle play the dick that much, but when he does, he's really good at it and I think in that situation with Osprey's injury coming in really uh really added to the match do you do you know where this finished i'm just curious uh looks like based on the list it finished uh overall in the poll you mean yeah yeah it looks like it finished 13th which is just outside of the top 10 i figured it would finish oh i see it here okay yeah i i thought i thought it would be more somewhere uh 25 to 50 i didn't think it was going to uh, get that close to the top 10. And one of the reasons why I went with it was because I, I wanted to give it a little bit of support because I didn't know how much it would get, but based on the, on how it turned out, it looks like it got a fair amount of support actually. Yeah. It looks like that was a miscalculation, but you, uh, you ended up getting one extra. It's it, it, if it beat out the 14th place match by like one point, I guess you, mm. uh, your vote made a difference. So, all right. Thanks. Tom. 
No uh, problem. TJ, 10th place. TJ. Uh, my 10th place was Asuka versus Hanakamura from Wrestle One's Pro Wrestling Love in Yokohama, uh, September 2nd. So for the people at home, Asuka all caps, not the yes. one in World Wrestling Entertainment. As when I found out she was leaving Asuka, I asked, how do I refer to her now? Because it's not Asuka Wave anymore. And someone told me to say Asuka the good one. <laughs> That's a little extreme. Come on. I, I know. Um, but... How about you? Just say just say Oscar all caps. That's why that's what I usually say on the air. So But um I wanted to add a Joshi match to my list and if I'm going by strictly what was the better match, I would have picked something like Momo versus Eo or Utami versus Mayu. But this one really connected with me a lot just because of the story, because it was for it was uh Hana's first match coming back from Mexico. And they were building up a story where Hana kept losing to Asuka and she really admired her and all that. And she wanted to beat her so that Oscar would join a tag team with her, which Flourish is the best tag team of 2018, even though they had like three matches. <laughs> but yeah, the match was really good. It was really fierce. A lot of moments, Oscar was just being an asshole to Hana, but Hana was able to pull out the win. And yeah, I just really liked that match. And where did this finish in the Sadness Village? Yeah, I was the only person to vote for it, but I knew it was going to be the only person to vote for it. Yeah. All right, thanks, TJ. Uh, Kevin, Kevin H., what do you have your 10th place match? All right, so my number 10 was from WrestleMania. It was Ronda Rousey and uh, Kurt Angle versus Triple H and Stephanie <laughs> McMahon Helmsley. So when I watch uh, WrestleMania and WWE, I don't really necessarily want like a good match, like a work rate type of match or whatever. I just want gigantic big spectacle that can only happen there. And I think that this match is the perfect. It's a match that can only happen in WWE. And it was kind of, it was laid out and put together in a really smart way in which you have a new person that you want to make a star Ronda Rousey. And she was very game for it. She looked really good. The whole story, like um, Stephanie just kind of being the, Chicken shit heel, Triple H being arrogant, Ronda trying to step up to him. I think that it all worked really well and played off the crowd really well. Kurt Angle was very bad in it, but I don't really care about really negatives terrible. in a match like this. He was really bad, but like this is a match that is greater than some of its parts. So I I will very much excuse him being bad in it. Wasn't, where wasn't it there does a not... spot where where he couldn't get over the top rope on like a on like a slingshot? <laughs> Something that, that's be, my that's my big memory of the match. That and Stephanie McMahon's yes. MMA defense. <laughs> like like I said, like the Kurt Angle parts when I've watched this last time, I completely glaze over them. But to me, that doesn't factor into the story of the match at all. It's essentially a handicap match, but you have to have somebody else on Ronda's side. So any warm body would do, and Kurt Angle is in fact a warm body, barely. So um so yeah, I just thought that this really nailed what they are doing perfectly. Was uh, nailed the spectacle for WWE and and was worthy of my top ten. All right, thanks, Kevin. Uh, and it ended up finishing exactly fiftieth, so just barely made it. Maybe you're one point put over the top, uh, <laughs> possibly. I don't I don't know what fifty, how many points fifty one had. So, all right, MRT, give me your tenth place match. 
Okay, my 10th place match is uh, Omega versus Ishii from the G1. I was very torn on this as uh, I thought the uh, Destruction match was pretty much equal with this. So I think I was originally going to go with that and then thought about it a little bit and uh, decided that this one was probably a little bit better, a little bit better crowd reaction. So it slid onto my my list instead of that one, which other people don't seem to like as much. No, I didn't I didn't like the G1. I mean the Destruction one, but the Destruction one didn't get any votes. So your vote was a lot better used here, I guess. I think um, it would have been better used the other way. Then. You want it? You want to get it on, into the Saturn's Village? That's what you're saying. I mean, that's where I thought uh, several of my votes would go, but it, <laughs> I don't think any one of my uh, picks ended up uh, being the uh, solo vote. So yeah. that was that was sad. Um, but yeah, this one did really well. This this uh, Omega Ishii match finished all the way up in fourth. So obviously, um, a lot of people enjoyed this G1 match a lot. I mean, they have incredible chemistry. You're you're taking the two elements of pro wrestling and you're combining them into one. You've got Ishii, who's the best at acting like a badass, and you've got Kenny Omega, who's one of the best at doing cool moves, and you put them together and you have everything that's important in a wrestling match. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I voted for the Feds too, so I'm not I'm much higher than you did, but it was a really awesome match. Um, and it had a great kick out at one, and that's that's my most desired elements in a wrestling match yeah well i do love the one count kick out too all right thanks mrt and my 10th place match i had the hiroshi tanahashi versus kazuchika okada match from destruction on september 23rd um i this this one it could have been a couple different matches i don't really do the vandy pick though and i just decided to pick the match that you know I thought was the 10th best match of the year. And I think this just beat out um, a couple other matches for me, but you know, this, this ended up finishing in 18th, you know, just behind another Tanahashi Okada match from wrestling Duntaku, uh, which I thought this one was actually superior by quite a bit, but what are you going to do? So that's 10th place that moved us in the ninth place. So Kevin C, what is your ninth place pick for match of the year? So my ninth, place pick is my only finish in Sadness Village. Uh, and since we talked before with the other guests about which part of Twitter they're representing, um, I, I feel that I should put my cards on the table that I'm representing Australian wrestling Twitter. And my ninth place pick was the main event of the progress cross uh, Melbourne City Wrestling uh, crossover show, which was a progress championship match between Travis Banks, Elliot Sexton, and JXT in an elimination triple threat. I kind of suspected that I'd be the only person to vote for it and that it would it would end in Sadness Village. Uh, one of the reasons for that is because these Australian progress shows took forever to go up online like about two or three months, which was pretty disappointing because I thought that a lot, of, a lot of the Australian talent could have gotten a lot more notice had the matches gone up actually closer to when they were filmed. Um, what's really cool about this match is that Elliot Sexton is just a complete beast. I describe him in my write-up as like a handsome Terminator, just cutting down and stalking down Travis Banks. Uh, JXT, who's 
not my favorite guy on the Australian scene. He's one of the guys who I think relies more on charisma than his in-ring work. Uh, he's solid in the part he's in, but he pretty much gets shoot murdered by Banks when Banks does a suicide suicide tope and kills JXT into the barricade. And then the rest of the match is Elliot Sexton and Travis Banks. And even though this match came out months late, and I think Banks might have already lost the Progress Championship by the time that the match came out, there were still a few. Uh, there were still a few near falls that actually got me, which is really impressive. Uh, I suppose if you're interested in checking this match out, and I know that Robin Reed of the Brit Res Table uh, recently watched it and talked it up on his uh, European Match of the Year column on Voices of Wrestling, uh, it's on Progress on Demand, uh, the MCW. Progress show. It's also on Melbourne City Wrestling's Pivot Share. If you don't want to give your money to a WWE client state, <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks, man. Uh, ninth place match now. What do you have for me, Derek? I have Yoshiko versus Mayumi Ozaki from the March Seventeenth Oz Academy show. You have to. You, that was one of these ones where you need to send me a link when we're done with the show because I don't know how I missed that. But... Yeah, I'll take a look for that. It's it was. <laughs> worth your time watching as long as you're not somebody who is uh, completely opposed to Yoshiko matches. Yeah, no, I'm not. So I loved, I loved borderless this year. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, this me, match was great. Um, sorry. I was going to say, tell me about this match. This match was great because most of Yoshiko's uh, Oz Academy title run was pretty terrible. And this one stood out as a great match purely because it combined Yoshiko who works well with, only certain opponents and Mayumi Ozaki who works well with everybody because she makes everybody look like a superstar babyface, thanks to chains and police running into the ring and <laughs> whips from her buddies, crooked referees. It was basically a big babyface moment for Yoshiko, even though it never seems like she should be in that spot, which is pretty impressive overall. Mostly though, it's with the uh, Oz Academy match, especially with Ozaki, a lot of people don't necessarily like those. I absolutely love it. I'll eat it up. I could fill up a top 10 list probably with Ozaki matches. I didn't go that route, but this is definitely worth checking out if you are wanting to watch a little more violent Joshi. Yeah, it sounds awesome. All right, thanks, Derek. Sean, give me your ninth place match. Okay, so my ninth place match on my list actually starts a run of my list or a run on my list, I should say, of uh, eight straight New Japan matches. So just uh, just heads up on that. But uh, my ninth place match is the uh, Golden Lovers Yum Bucks match from Strong Style Evolved. Um, so I think when the Golden Lovers uh, reunited early in 2018, I think the one match that I think most people were looking forward to was an eventual match with the Yum Bucks. And when they, you know, they eventually met, it was pretty much, I think, what everyone expected it to be. You know, there's, you know, given those four guys and who they are, it was a lot of crazy moves uh, mixed in with the different sort of story elements that they were doing at the time with being the lead and the whole the, the bullet club split. But yeah, no, I, it was just a just an excellent uh, tag team match. Actually, it's the only tag team match on my list. Um, and yeah, not really much else to say about it. I would have probably gone 
of the full five on this, if not for the botched Kota Bushi uh, golden triangle moonsault during the match that I don't think the uh, access cameras caught at the time. But if that mistake had been there, I probably would have gone the full five on it. But still, it was a pretty awesome tag match, uh, all things all things considered. All right. Thanks, man. And TJ, what do you have in ninth place? All right. This is my last Wrestle 1 match and my only tag match. It's Chuji Kondo versus Koji, or Chuji Kondo and Koji Doi versus T Hawk and Al Lindemann, also from Wrestle 1's Pro Wrestling Love in Yokohama. Uh, that whole show was just really great, especially the last four matches. And if I'm going to recommend anyone to start Wrestle 1, this is the show to do it. And those last four matches were all great. Um, I think this, like, there's been a lot of strong hearts matches that were amazing this year, but as far as, like, strict 2v2 matches, I think this one was the best one. Like, and Koji Doi is just one of the best wrestlers of last year. And that's, I don't have a lot more to say about it, really, but. <laughs> it's cool, man. If you, you don't have to justify it. If you liked it, you liked it. Uh, all right. Thanks, TJ. Kevin. What do you got for ninth place? All right. So my ninth place is from GCW in November on November 16th, I believe. And it is Nick Gage versus David Arquette. So this match got pretty, uh, was became infamous pretty quickly because of um, a Hollywood actor in a death match. And, and, it, and it ended up pretty brutal with him kind of uh, being in over his depth and, attacking Nick Gage towards the end, like in a very real way and a real, like I am fed up and I do not like this way, not in like a wrestling type of way, but really this whole match I think is really fascinating because it's got all these little uh, storytelling nuances throughout that kind of lead to that moment, which wasn't planned, but it kind of all one step led to the other. And it all really made sense where um, Nick Gage comes out, like complete badass against David Arquette, who the whole time is kind of playing up that he's a bit arrogant and uh, you could tell that is not his uh, specialty, but then Nick Gage just starts brutalizing him and Arquette does things like he climbs the top ropes, but he's shaking the whole time to do a dive. And I don't know if he was actually shaking because he was bad or if he was doing it to play up the story of him, you know, not really being ready for the match, but whatever it was, it all really worked. And it just kind of built up until Nick Gage goes and gets light tubes and everybody realizes that uh, Arquette is actually going to bleed and it's going to be more of a death match. And then it just keeps going from there where, um, like I said, finally Gage just starts absolutely digging into him with light tubes and Arquette suffers a cut on his neck. And at this point, he's had enough. He tries to leave, tries to end the match. Gage keeps it going. Finally, he gets up and just throws a chair right at Gage, and Gage kind of slams him down for the three count, and that's it. And the whole mm-hmm. thing is just really fascinating and interesting and a complete spectacle, and that's really what I want from wrestling. I didn't expect David Arquette to give it to me, but it really this mm-hmm. all really worked. The total package, I thought, was really great. I mean, it was a real shoot, so. Yeah, and it, it wasn't – in it. I, I still can't believe that it kind of played into the rest of the story, but it really, it worked for me. All right. Thanks. And what, this ended up doing pretty well, right? I remember. Yeah. This was like it. 52, I think. Yeah. So, so I got yeah, like 10, it did well. 10 votes or something. 
But all right, thanks, Kevin. And now MRT, what's your, your ninth place match? My ninth place match is um, the Golden Lovers versus Tanahashi and Will Ospreay. And this is another one where I didn't I didn't quite have any of the other Golden Lovers tags like almost equal to this, but like Kenny Omega had such a great year in terms of just like his singles matches and his tags, as did Kota Ibushi. I mean, as did really all four of these guys. But I was just really blown away with the uh, the three big tags that Omega had in the fall. And this one was the best. And for pretty much uh, had nothing to do with Omega. This was the Will Ospreay show. Will Ospreay went from just being a cool moves guy to also acting like a badass in this match. And uh, it was really cool to see. Um, I mean, Ospreay is a giant dumbass but this was an incredible one-man show and i mean just a great 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 performance it's the i don't want to say a star making performance but pretty close to it and um i mean there are just some amazing eye popping moments in this match this almost made the top 25 and 28th so it was very close but um i don't know it did a little better than i was expected to do i thought it'd be like a 50 ish kind of match but I guess what did Dave give a five, right? I think that probably would have helped. I think I maybe maybe I thought he went higher. Uh, this might have oh, just yeah. been five though. Yeah, um, whichever five five and higher is the same shit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean everything on my list is five stars, just maybe not from Dave. Yeah, but um, I mean there is just so much good stuff in this match. I mean the the double Spanish fly, like everything, like there's just so much cool stuff here. All right, thank you. Uh, mine and that match is up pretty. I don't know. I think I went like four and a quarter. I I did like it a lot. So even though some of the stuff Osprey does in that match does annoy me a little bit, they do enough, as you said, cool moves to overcome it. So, um, what are the other? You said three fall matches. What are the other two? Um. The other ones are the two tag. Uh, I'm sorry. When oh, the I tag said, with Ishii. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Ishii one. The tags he did in the fall rather than like th- two of three fall matches. But uh, yeah, the two tags with Ishii I thought were both fantastic. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, there's another one. Okay. I couldn't remember, couldn't think of what the other one was. All right. Thank you. Um, and then my ninth place match, I have Shima versus Konosuke Takashida from DDT on October 21st. Um, I thought this was a really incredible uh, like limb work match, which is kind of a lost art in you know parts of Japanese wrestling now. And I just thought Takashita's job selling the like here was really incredible. You know, he just made it clear that it was hindering him throughout the entire match, and it played all the way up right into the finish where you know his leg was bothering him to the point where he couldn't even get out of the way of the Meteora, and that ended up being the pin. So I just thought he did an outstanding job. It's one of those matches where, you know, if I was trying to teach somebody how to sell a leg, this is probably what I would show them. So, you know, awesome match. Uh, ended up finishing 104th, which, you know, I don't doesn't really surprise me because nobody watches DDT. But, you know, what are you going to do? All right, eighth place. What do you have for me, Kevin? So my number eight was the intercontinental title match between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Minoru Suzuki from a new beginning in, I believe, Sapporo, night one. It was on the 27th. Uh, 
I thought this was the first of Tanahashi's classic matches of the year, and I just thought he had a phenomenal year when it came to big matches. And it's even more phenomenal when you think about how he's fighting on one leg. He's fighting on one leg against the most dangerous man in the world. And I just thought the storytelling was great. The uh, Tanahashi, I feel, makes the viewer, makes the audience feel his pain in a way that I think almost no one else can get. And Suzuki was just vicious and the ending was vicious and they really sold it as, oh, this actually could be the end of Tanahashi in a way that really got me. And I remember this was the same weekend as... Uh, NXT TakeOver and Royal Rumble and uh, obviously I'm out of the consensus in this but I remember seeing that and just thinking this was to me much better than the Gargano Almas match. I would I wouldn't disagree honestly. Ah, oh, much better. I would say better. I think they'd be close for me but I like Yeah, I, I might be uh, exaggerating a yeah. little bit for a fact. I think I, I I think I probably have four and a half on both but I think I like this better. Yeah, I just think especially when you consider where both of those guys are in their career, just fantastic use of storytelling, fantastic use of being able to get the most out of not necessarily a a big athletic flippy match, but just being able to make people feel the pain and feel the intensity of a match. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Tanahashi selling again, if I was going to do, I was talking about a leg match, like this is another one where Tanahashi did a pretty incredible job with the leg here. Yeah, I saw it um, finish right. 36, which I'm a bit surprised by because I thought people would forget it with it being at the start of the year. But I'm glad that it made top 50. Yeah, it did. And I, it was uh, a little higher than I thought it would be too. All right, thanks, Kevin. Derek, what do you have as your eighth place match? Well, I'm still hanging out in Sadness Village, but uh, I got uh, <laughs> Reika Saiki versus Miyu Yamashita from January 4th, Tokyo Joshi Pro. Yeah, this was fucking awesome. Yeah, I, this match was absolutely fantastic. I beginning of when I actually started watching TJPW regularly. I'd seen a little bit in 2017, but uh, yeah, Miyu Yamashita winning the title there was a nice way for me to get into being a watch most of the shows kind of viewer. Yeah, I think this was like the launching off point for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I had watched off and on before that, but this is definitely where I started paying like a lot closer attention to it too. Um, yeah, this was a huge yeah. uh, starting point then for her title reign as well because she yeah. was basically on fire for the whole rest of the year and still is going. So it's absolutely fantastic. Probably one of my favorite title reigns in years for any promotion I mean, at this point. I totally agree. And she's like, she's like Kobashi where you like you don't want to see her lose it like ever. So. Yeah, if she goes <laughs> into uh, their January fourth show next year and still has the title, I'm totally okay with that. Let's let's yeah, go for sure. All right, thanks, Derek. Uh, Sean, what do you have in eighth place? All right, so uh, I mentioned in my when I talked about my number nine match on my list, I said that that was the first of eight uh, New Japan matches on my list, eight in a row. Well, uh, my number eight match is actually the first of five matches from the G1 Climax that I have on my list. Uh, and that one is from the, uh, the B-Block Finals, uh, Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi. Um, I think it says a lot about those two guys that um, I think most people would agree that this was one of their weakest matches, yet it was still pretty awesome. Um, you know, just 
in- incredible like spots throughout it. And it's still, I watched highlights of it the other day just to sort of refresh my memory. And it was still just watching the highlights, just an absolutely incredible match. And to think that they could do something even better than that, or to think that they were even holding back in any sort of way in that match just blows my mind. And I can't have, wait. Have you, seen, have you seen their DT matches or no? Uh, I saw, I've seen highlights of their, uh, their famous one. I haven't actually watched the whole match from start to finish. I've seen highlights. Yeah, this, this to me was like not even close to the. the oh yeah, and I, and I don't, I don't doubt that at all. But again, it just, I think it just goes to show that you know, if, if this is like them going like you know seventy percent or seventy five percent, then them going all out is should be like match of the. It could be match of the decade potential. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this match. Um, great way to cap off the uh, B block, which was in general um, pretty awesome. And I also should note as well that all of the uh, G1 matches I have on my list are B block matches, which, you know, yeah, no surprise. surprising. B yeah. block was much better than the A block this year. This finished 16th, which is actually lower than I thought it would, even even with how I think it ended up forming a consensus is not being as good as people expected. I just thought these two like people get it into close to the top 10 yeah i i thought it might have finished like either just inside the top 10 or like right outside it but you know fit there i guess where it was uh 16th is that's uh that's pretty much where i that's a fair spot for it i do find it funny that we you know they they push back the kenny the kenny coda match so many times and then push back the rematch and now it's like will it even happen in new japan who the fuck knows but you know, I still think Kenny's gonna end up back there, like even on a limited basis. So yeah, I, but they I, easily they easily could do it in AEW, though I guess. All right, thanks, Sean. TJ, what do you have? Is sick is your number eight match? My number eight match was Takashita versus Shima from Peter Pan. Like oh, you, you did. Said. Oh, you were the other person who voted for that. Cool. Yeah, I was the top voter for it. Um. Yeah, like you said, I liked the limb work of it. I thought it was really well paced. I was kind of surprised people didn't like it as much at the time. Like, I think you said on the show that you really liked it, but it didn't seem like the consensus online was really that it was that good. Yeah. It got one other voter, by the way. I just checked this. It got three. So I assume the third one's probably not on this podcast, too, but, but who knows, I guess. But, yeah, like, I and I really like the story of it. I love the whole invader versus the ace of the company thing. Kind of playing out on Wrestle 1, like, just happened. I kind of like that version of it better, but I did like how this match played out. And I kind of wish Takashita had won now that I know the fact that uh, Takashita would just get his win back in a six man. Not really sure if I like that, but and yeah. like watching the match though, I really enjoyed it at yeah. the time. I think it's come to Shima one, but I, I agree that Takashita probably should have gotten the win back in singles. But maybe he's still well, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Uh, all right, thanks, TJ. Kevin, what do you have as your eighth place match? All right, so my eighth place match is from Dragon Gate in February, and it is Masaki Mochizuki versus KZ. And uh, this match, Mozaki, in the beginning of the year, Masaki Mochizuki was like one of the best champions, maybe the best champion in wrestling. Uh, he They gave him kind of what I would assume would be a final um championship run in dragon gate and he really was delivering match after match and this was the highlight of that um i think the big story of it is 
KZ becoming a, a true championship contender, like a real player in Dragon Gate. Uh, right after this, he was able to get his own stable. And um, But yeah, I think that the this match is, was a really great Cork and Hall championship match, which really when those are going, no matter the promotion, are some of the best things in wrestling. And the super hot crowd, there's a version of this match. The first one that came out was actually a single cam uh, version of it. And that that version is actually more fun to watch, I think, because you can kind of see the entire crowd just reacting to everything, going crazy for everything that uh, Kazi does. And it's just really fun to watch that way. Like you can pick up individual fans and just see their reactions as the match goes on. But yeah, it, it's really it's a match that just one wrestler showing a lot of fight and a lot of heart, and maybe not getting there, but still be, being a victor in defeat. Um, and this can end up facing twenty fourth, which again is higher than I thought it would. I didn't think anything from Dragon Gate was going to break in the top twenty five. Yeah, I wasn't sure where it would where it would end up. I knew that some people were behind it really hard. So yeah. All right, thanks, Kevin. Uh, MRT, give me your eighth place match. Um, my eighth place match is Jay White versus Juice Robinson from the Cow Palace. Yeah, and <laughs> I was surprised how many people had this in their top ten. I thought I might be the only one because I thought this match was amazing, but I, I figured that, hey, if you're a New Japan voter, you're probably going to have a bunch of other matches there. If you're not a New Japan voter, is this match really going to pop up but i mean this match was it the, the idea beforehand was like will it be able to follow uh hiromu versus dragon lee and it managed to have more heat and i thought it was a better match uh, even ignoring the uh the tragic injury i mean it, it, this had a little bit of help from uh josh barnett's uh roid rage having completely destroyed <laughs> his brain at this point <laughs> but um i mean like that they had this giant idiot come into the ring and like get involved in the match unplanned and they managed to like wrestle around it and still like have this tremendous heat i mean it's a testament to both guys just it, incredible stuff yeah they just completely they fucking no sold it it was pretty amazing i mean it just um, it made jay white look like a like a much badder ass heel. Like yeah, it made him look so like good. a huge man, look like a huge star. Yeah. Like he pissed off this fucking legend on commentary. I mean, it was great. Uh, uh, well, okay, legend to. I mean, if, certain people. Uh, I don't know if there are people who think <laughs> that he's a legend. All right, whatever. The legendary voided up fighter. <laughs> the man whose uh, love of steroids killed affliction. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> Well, this one, Not this to guy, interrupt you guys, but you should listen to Jericho's podcast with Jay White. It explains that whole situation with Barnett really clearly. And Jay's pretty hilarious on it with what he's talking about with that. What did he say? I listened to this a few days ago. I can't really remember, but he was actively trying to play up and piss off Barnett during that. <laughs> like he oh. was taking it, like he knew that Barnett was pissed off, but he was just playing it off to try and get heat on him. Yeah, well, that awesome. makes that makes sense. He did a good job. But yeah, yeah, so this this finished sixty fifth, which is like not pretty, not bad, like you said, for a match that like is in like a B match zone with New Japan, and ends in a roll up. Yeah, ends in a roll up. That's true too. Like the All right, best, um, oh, go the, ahead. If you had some, the if you had the best roll up finish of the year. <laughs> All right, cool. 
that and then for my eighth place match, I had Mayu Iwatani versus Utami Hashishita from Stardom on September 24th, which was the uh, five star GP final. I thought this was like of all the matches I saw this year, this is the one that like felt most like a fucking fight, and it just felt like Utami. You know, she's not like she's only like five five, and I guess like is like 143 pounds. But because she's in stardom where all these girls are like so tiny, she looks like, you know, she's a fucking giant. And, you know, Mayu, who's like the string bean, she's she's just basically like destroying her in there. And I don't know, it just really looks like she's um, going to break this woman in, in half in that match. And it just really gives a feeling of like, you know, it really adds to Mayu like as this desperate veteran just trying to use her veteran cunning to survive this like rampaging rookie bull. And I don't know, but by, by the time my managed to pull it out at the end, it really feels like she just survived more than anything else. And it felt like she had created a new top star pretty much one night. And, you know, since then her time has gone to win like every fucking title in the history of Joshi seemingly. So I think she basically did make a star in one night. So, and in Utami, if people don't know, she, she's like four or five months into her career here. So that's pretty, it's pretty incredible that she had a match, you know, that made my top 10 this soon into her career. She's just been awesome. Uh, all right. So seventh place match, Kevin, what do you have for me? Go ahead, buddy. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I got lost there. Uh, my number seven match uh, was Jericho versus Omega from the Tokyo Dome. I thought that this maybe had like the most hype of any match this year. And I genuinely think from just like my limited social circle and what I saw online, I think it really did get more eyes on New Japan than anything else that has happened so far. Even going back to how like the Omega Okada series was uh, originally received. And I think you can easily argue it's a career best performance from Jericho especially considering uh, what was expected of him or maybe the low expectations going in because it had been so long since he'd really had a big singles match. Even in WWE, uh, throughout the whole list run, I think you can't really say that there was a big Jericho singles match that really landed. Uh, the moment when Jericho puts uh, Red Shoe's son into the lion tamer and is just shouting at him, this is your son. This is that was just fantastic heel work, and I just thought it lived up to the hype, and there was so much hype to live up to, and that's something really impressive. Now I like the Jericho Nido matches better, but I will admit that Jericho Omega was good as well. Ha when I look back in hindsight, is like Jericho, what like two years before this has one of what if I think my least favorite matches of all time with Dean Ambrose. Do you remember that one, the cage match? Uh, the uh, the Ambrose <laughs> Asylum with Mitch the Plant. It was like seriously one of my least favorite matches of the decade. And now in hindsight, with all that Jericho's gone on to do here um, on his New Japan run, it's doesn't look good for Dean. <laughs> so I'm gonna say, like Jericho got well, all this great stuff with Naito and Evil, and you know other people like the Omega match more than I did, but Omega, I don't know, I don't know what. I mean, uh, I guess we'll say about now. Dean, where Dean's going to go now that he's left WWE. But it really does show even like the most tenured guys at WWE how 
how shackled they are. Yeah, it's true. All right, thanks, Kevin. Uh, Derek, what do you have for your number seven match? Well, it's number seven. I am finally out of Sadness Village with Momo Watanabe versus Yo Shirai from February 18th Stardom. Now, do you have both Momo EO matches on here or just this one? I only have this one. I, I like the other one a lot, but this one was the one that I preferred. It's basically it. I can't argue against somebody putting the other one on there, though. Yeah, the other the other one, the May 23rd one, that was like my last cut. So that's yeah. why I asked. I, I did prefer that one. Now that this one's not fantastic, too. So This one uh, kind of attracted itself to me because it was the one that kind of set Momo up as a legit main eventer rather than just, hey, she's going for a title now. So it was basically the thing that set everything else in motion for where she's at right now, which was a pretty good jump for her at this point. And she did, this one finished 129th, and the other one I was just talking about finished 67th. So, yeah. Know. Again, I can't really complain about either of them. They're both fantastic. Everything Momo Watanabe does is fantastic. Uh, go out of your way to watch our, all of her stuff. It's worth your time. Yeah, Momo was, she had an incredible 2018. I think oh, yeah. I put her second or third for most outstanding i don't remember yeah hard to hard to argue it uh derek thank you uh sean give me your seventh place match all right so uh much like kevin uh, about a minute or two ago uh i also have the uh kenny omega and chris jericho match from wrestle kingdom 12 as my number seven match um not much else to add Onto what uh, Kevin already said, uh, it was it was a pretty uh, awesome match, and I th- for me it was the best match on Wrestle Kingdom 12. Um, I know the uh, I was a little uh, I guess unsure of how this one was going to go. I mean, based on the buildup, we knew it was going to be sort of this this fight, this brawl as as the as the uh, buildup sort of made it a more uh, more of a grudge match between the two. But I guess even even until the show time of the show i was i still i was still a little uncertain i guess but uh but yeah no this this totally delivered and i guess it really ushered in what this version of uh chris jericho is going to be in new japan which as we you know as we went on through the year you know you sort of i think someone else on uh your uh on one of your other recent uh episodes sort of described jericho as a lucha brawler and i think that's pretty that's pretty fitting for what he is now and i'm I think this match sort of uh, ushered in what this, again, what this version of Jericho is going to be. See, now I disagree. I thought this was, this was Jericho. I thought this was still WWE Jericho, especially just okay. like the, 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 the kind of spots they did. I didn't think Lucha Brawler Jericho really started until the night door match at Dominion. Okay. But... You sort of got that inkling that he was sort of more going in that direction, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. Yes, but like this to me felt more like a WWE like no DQ match than anything on a New Japan show in a while. It's probably why if people like that style a lot, it, it was a really well done version of that style. Mm-hmm. It's just you know it's not really my thing. But oh, that's fair. And are you, I didn't mention this one. Kevin said it before. This finished 14th. Um, I was pretty surprised it didn't make the top 10. I kind of thought it would. Were you surprised? Yeah, I, think I, I think it would too. Yeah, I thought it was going to make the top 10. I, I guess probably maybe towards the back half of the top 10. Uh, but again, much like uh, my thoughts on sort of Riddle Osprey and the Bushi Omega from earlier, uh, right outside the top 10 isn't that bad either. So, yeah. I uh, just Kevin. wanted to 
quickly add in, uh, I did like, which I forgot to mention before, that Jericho came in a bit uh, thicker than he <laughs> Yeah, that's an understatement, but it came in a little bit thicker. I mean, it added to his luck, I think. I think it, it did add to the aura and everything. And it feels like, I don't know, WWE, they have such a, like a phobia about aging or something, which they don't really have in New Japan, like he could, or in other places where he could, he could look like an older brawling type, you know, with his embarrassing, like, glam rock dad makeup and everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, sorry, what's up? Oh, I, I didn't say anything. Okay. So, thank you, Sean. TJ, what do you have in seventh place? Uh, my seventh place vote made 10th in the BOW match of the year. Uh, Ishii versus Ibushi from the G1. I really like this match. I mean, Ibushi has had an amazing G1, one of the best I've watched, but that's, regret- that's really small because I haven't watched a whole lot in New Japan. But I love when Ibushi was able to bring out his kickboxing background and kind of just beat the shit out of Ibushi for a little bit. And that's pretty much all I remember from that match really is Ibushi <laughs> going crazy on, Ibu- or on Ishii with the punches and the kicks. But both him and Ishii had a great year last year. Yeah, for sure. All right, thanks, TJ. Kevin, what was your seventh place match? All right, my seventh place was from Progress in January. It was Walter versus Timothy Thatcher. Um, I think that Walter was one of the best wrestlers in the entire world last year. Basically, wherever he went, he delivered. Um, He basically had a formula, and it was very similar no matter where he went, but it was effective everywhere. And this was kind of the the match that set the groundwork for that for his entire year. Um, him and Thatcher are partners in Ringkampf, and so this was a meeting between the two for the Progress Atlas title. And basically, it's really brutal with Walter just giving a really brutal chops and suplexes to his own partner, and Thatcher's uh, chest is just completely bloody and swollen and really nasty-looking. But Thatcher is also a really compelling baby face here with a lot of fire. I think he's a guy that when he was in Evolve and worked more in the U.S. a few years ago, he was really boring and his charisma really wasn't able to come through. But over the past year or two, I think that he's really grown a lot as a wrestler. And now he's one of the he has a real um, stoic charisma, but I think it's really shines through a lot, especially in matches like this. And I thought that it just was one of the more brutal non-death matches of the year, but it just was really effective and um, felt unique at the time. Like I said, Walter has done a lot of similar matches since then, so maybe a little bit of the luster has worn off, but I thought that it really delivered and, and helped make Walter feel like a real different type of wrestler this year. And I ended up finishing 22nd. Were you surprised? Did you think it, did you think it was going to be that high? For most of the year, I thought it was going to be that high, but then I think that it I felt like it was one of those matches where since it was so long ago and there are some other Walter matches that have been have gotten a little bit more buzz since, I thought it was going to be more forgot about. So in the 20s, feels right, and uh, it's a good spot for it. All right, cool. Thank you. MRT, seventh place. My number seven is um, the first... King Phoenix versus Cavernario match from June 29th in CMLL. This was at 
this point in the year, I think it was my second favorite match of the year uh, after one of the, or I guess third after the two of the LA Park uh, Roosh matches. And this match was just amazing in terms of cool moves, just insane, insane moves, making great use of the uh, two out of three fall structure. Um, and both guys actually uh, realizing that they could uh, throw some some nice strike exchanges into a, a uh, an Arena Mexico match and really take advantage of the fact that you don't see them that often, at least this kind of strike exchange in a, a big Arena Mexico match. And uh, it was just overall an incredible match. And they had one nearly as good at the end of the year that if uh, there wasn't an injury at the end of it, probably would have been better. Mm. All right, thanks, MRT. Where did it finish, by the way? Do you remember? I have no idea where this finished. <laughs> I I hope it finished in the top fifty because it's that good and it's the kind of like lucha match that pretty much anyone can watch and appreciate. What was the date? Uh, six twenty nine. It finished forty fourth. That's that's as about as good as I expected. So good for them. Cool. All right, seventh place. I have Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito. Uh, July fifteenth from New Japan in the G one. Um, I don't know. I I've, I will always be the one to say I think Omega's best opponent is Naito, not Okada or Ishii. I think all three other matches they've had uh, in three straight years were incredible. This one I would put slightly below the other two. The the other two I went the full five on. This I went four and three quarters. But this was still just like I don't know. Like they felt pretty much for the opening bell. Like this was just a a meeting of two incredible rivals. You know, they, they did like an opening few minutes that was based almost entirely around spitting, which not a lot of people could get away from, get away with, but you know, it really worked for them here. And I just think he's, you know, Naito, what, what Naito's good at is a very strong counterweight to Kenny because Naito's good at, you know, selling and, you know, being a little more subtle in his matches and that lets Kenny just, you know, concentrate on his flashing over the top moves which is what he is good at and when he stays on offense the matches tend to be a lot better so um but yeah i really uh i really thought this was an awesome match um as long i hope that's not their last they're ever gonna have but if it is that's a hell of a trilogy uh okay kevin give me your oh and this finished 15th i should mention so which is like about where i would have expected because i didn't see it get a ton of hype but it's still you know kenny did really well this year and i figured this would do well so kevin what do you have as your sixth place match my sixth place which we've already discussed a little uh golden lovers versus the young bucks from strong style evolved uh i have it wait we've talked about that match yeah i don't think we have i thought someone else had it someone someone had golden i had it ninth I think. Oh, okay. I, I totally missed that. I thought I remember Golden Lovers against Tanahashi and Osprey, but yeah, I don't know how I missed that. Sorry, keep keep going, Kevin. Um, I had it sixth. I see that it finished fifth, so I, I guess I'm pretty close to the consensus on it. Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, it was really emotional, which I'm discovering that uh, a lot of my list, what I've gone through is the stuff which uh, appeals the most to my feelings of needing to work through man pain and <laughs> male homosocial relationships and uh, that. Um, you, you've got that higher level of kind of Kenny being uh, torn between uh, 
the Young Bucks and Coda and that kind of psychosocial element to it. Then you've got Matt Jackson uh, doing the, the masterclass of backselling again, uh, especially Nick Jackson and Kota Ibushi. Uh, Nick, I think the Young Bucks are so strong as a team that often people forget just how smooth and good Nick Jackson is. And sometimes he gets in there with someone you wouldn't necessarily expect. Like uh, I remember him and Sonata's interactions at the Wrestle Kingdom match this year and just it's beautiful chemistry. Uh, I really, again, it's a match that spoke to me on an emotional level. I thought it was great, and I think it's one of the best matches of the year. It, this is a weird one for me where I was in the building for this, and if I had like never watched it back on tape, I might have even had it in my top 10. I, I had it a, you know, really high in the building. But when I went back and watched it on tape, there was something about, like I don't know, the facials or something that really hurt it a lot for me. But... You know, I could definitely see why other people have it high. It just it, it didn't hold up for me when I watched it back. Yeah, and whenever you watch something back, it's going to either have a different emotional resonance or um, if you see something live, it might have a, a deeper meaning to you. And then once you're taken out of that live experience, it's just kind of missing something and you're going, oh, why did I like this so much? So, yeah. so I get how that can be that dissonance for people. Do you, so do you, do you not, this is a good discussion actually, if anyone else wants to join in, do you not watch back your stuff before you vote for it? Um, I watched back uh, specifically my one and two, cause I was still trying to decide exactly which one would be one or two, but the rest of it I kind of had set in my mind. Uh, like, yeah, because my, my list, I think I watched maybe like 20 matches to count with my top 10, like I, I rewatched, and they were definitely matches that, that gained a lot, and they were matches that dropped a lot, and the two biggest droppers for me were um, the, the this tag we're talking about now and the Okada Omega match that I think is going to be on a lot of people's number ones but that which i guess we can talk about when we get to it but yeah i mean like they sometimes rewatching really helps the match like for um the omega nitro match i just mentioned it it probably helped it move up a couple spots on my final list but yeah and i would have loved to have been able to like re-watch everything but it's just a matter of time and there's so much yeah. other new wrestling coming out at the same time that's true i did this over like the course of three months so it definitely <laughs> takes a while all right, thanks, Kevin. Oh, is anyone TJ? Do you have something to say about rewatching? Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't rewatch any of my list, but my number six pick. I I'll be honest, I'm never gonna rewatch. And I mean, you'll find out when I get to that point. But there's some matches it's just, I'm not gonna rewatch. Mm. But I, mean, I, I don't think I'd, I'd rather know what I felt in that moment than what I see in the match after I rewatch it. Mm. I mean, I try to weigh both, but I see what you're saying. All right, Derek, what do you have as your sixth place match? In sixth place, I am back in Sadness Village with Arisa Nakajima versus Misaki Ohata from January 14th Seedling Show. I mean, I love both wrestlers. So it's probably pretty good. Yeah, this match kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, it was the first of three matches they had, and I think the third one only showed up on a wave DVD, like in clip format. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Nakajima is just kicking Ohada like crazy. Ohada had a great run for the first half of the year. So she was 
kind of on firing on all cylinders for every single match she had through June. Not much I can say other than that. Uh, just really straightforward, kick each other really hard sort of match that I absolutely go crazy for. All right, thanks, Derek. Sean, what did you have in sixth place? So for my number six match of the year, I had the G1 Climax Finals between uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kodobushi. Um, ever since I started watching New Japan, the, the G1 Finals is probably my most anticipated match of the entire year, even more so than like the Wrestle Kingdom main event. Uh, just because it's, I, I feel like it's always a guaranteed to be this excellent match, and and this one was, you know, certainly no exception. Uh, just had, you know, great wrestling. You know, both Tanahashi Bushi always deliver these big spots. Uh, the crowd reaction in Budokan Hall was just incredible, and even though it wasn't the the flashiest match in the G1, it was certainly one of the best. And even with the story, uh, for instance, like the, the fact that uh, Shibata was in Tanahashi's corner, even though that wasn't, you know, wasn't part of the actual match itself, but, you know, him being out there with Tanahashi just, I, I thought, sort of added just that little bit more to it as well. But, uh, yeah, no, just an, an incredible match. Uh, Ta- as far as Tanahashi goes, uh, I guess he didn't have the best overall tournament as a whole within the actual A block, but he, he certainly saved his best for last. All right, thanks, Sean. TJ... Oh, that that match, by the way, finished third, which I'm I thought it was gonna be second, and it was second for a long time in the voting. So I guess I'm you know, it's about where I expected. I thought I, I figured it would finish in the top ten. I honestly thought it would finish maybe a little lower, maybe somewhere five, six, seven. I was actually surprised that it was number three. I mean, not that much of a difference in terms of spots, but No, I had I, I, I had no I, doubt it was gonna be the number two New Japan match. I didn't, it really wasn't even a, a question to me, just from what I've seen from people on Twitter and stuff. Like, I knew Okada Omega was going to win the entire right. thing, mm-hmm. and then I figured this would be number two for New Japan, so whether that was two or three really wasn't surprising. All right, thanks, Sean. Uh, TJ, your sixth-place match. Uh, my sixth-place match was Okada Omega from Dominion. I am never going to rewatch this match ever. A match that long should not be allowed. <laughs> but I, when I was watching it live, it went by really quick. I liked the way they paced the match, how they, instead of just doing straight falls and continuing the match, they stopped for a minute and like let each wrestler like, catch their breath. Kind of felt more like a fight that way. And at the time I was really big on a, Omega. I wanted him to win really bad. And that moment of him holding up the title really made me feel something, I guess. And plus, with that card, everything else that happened was great. Like, I'm a huge Hiromu fan, so when he won during that show, I loved it, and that just elevated the whole show. Like, everything that happened really helped me enjoy the show and that match a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I see live, when I was watching it live, I would, if, if I hadn't rewatched this, it probably would have made my top 10 uh, in the bottom half, but it just it did lose a lot when I rewatched it. And it's just maybe it was just too long of a match. Yeah, I don't think I could rewatch that match, like dedicate that much time just for a single match. And given the rest of the year that Kenny had, I don't think I'd enjoy it as much just for certain things about what the rest of the year was. But I mean, at the time, I loved the match. It was really fun to watch. So I can't really complain about it. And this, of course, won the poll by a lot, actually. So there you go. Uh, Kevin, what do you have in sixth place? 
Kevin? Uh, Sorry, I thought I unmuted, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> my sixth match is a match that somebody already uh, mentioned. It is Will Ospreay versus Matt Riddle from WWN Super Show, WrestleMania weekend. I was there live for this match. So um, it was throughout the weekend. It was like uh, Sean said earlier, it was Will Ospreay a week after the Marty Skrull match where he mentioned that he was almost not going to be able to wrestle WrestleMania weekend at all all because of his neck um this played into his entire weekend every match he had everybody knew about it he factored it in so this match kind of felt like the culmination of a story that osprey had been telling all week and so um it was a building that was a really big building that was really kind of a crowd killer and wasn't it was just kind of dim and big and echoey and wasn't that great for shows in atmosphere but for this match they started right away and uh, it was super fast paced and super sprinty and the entire crowd was going ballistic the whole time they overcame the venue they overcame anything else it was it wasn't at the end of the weekend but it was the end of wwn's weekend so there was a little fatigue but none of that mattered they came out and they had i think it's only like 12 minutes but it feels longer in a good way and it's really fast-paced, builds the big spots. Like Sean said, the biggest part of the match was um, when Osprey gets thrown off the top turnbuckle and the match stops because of the neck. And the entire crowd thought that they just saw Will Osprey get paralyzed. But then he overcame it and had a comeback that just got a massive reaction. And it's basically, this is everything that I want from like a wrestling match where it kind of tugs the heartstrings and you just go along from the ride and it was just really exciting really hot crowd and and very good match overall all right thanks kevin mrt give me your sixth place match uh my sixth place match is also uh tanahashi versus ibushi from the g1 finals this was a really surprising match for me i i expected that it would be one of the best matches of the year. I expected that it may even be the best match of the year. I did not expect that these guys were going to go in there and beat the living crap out of each other the way they would. Um, I can't think of another Tanahashi match like in the years prior to this that was like so based on just these incredible strikes. I mean, really Tanahashi strikes haven't been that great lately. He's, you know, it's, it seemed like uh, his arm has limited him a little bit in that way. And just seeing these guys go out there and just destroy each other was absolutely nuts. I mean, I, I love Tanahashi. I, I, I was so happy when I finally got to see him live. I was, I'm so happy that I got to see a Bushi live in the, those first uh, couple ring of honor matches he did. And I was like, I'm seeing them in a G1 final was obviously just great. And I, I'm still shocked at like how different and great this match was. Now you would say Tanahashi was very violent in this match, right? Yes. Should he have looked down perhaps oh. at his hands and asked his hands why he was so violent? Would that have really put it over the top? Uh, I'm really upset now that I know that uh, this narrowly lost out to the, uh, <laughs> The Andrade uh, Gargano <laughs> match, like, oh, that just—I'm I'm sure that that match is like better than it. I, it's like the only WWE match I saw all year, and 
I was bored and Morrow's commentary was so bad. And knowing that it beat this match is like uh, it was really, really late. It was really, really late too. Like Tanahashi Ibushi was ahead of it the entire fucking time, and it just pulled it out at the end. I, I like Almas Gargano a lot more than you did, but yeah, like Tanahashi Ibushi should have probably should have beat it. Yeah, and uh, I am glad that uh, Tanahashi knows in his heart why and how he is so violent. <laughs> All right, thanks. And I have for my sixth place match, I have. Marafuji versus Miyahara from April 30th in All Japan, the um, Champion Carnival Final. Now, I have a bone to pick with the other voters because this finished 86th, and the title match, the rematch, finished 72nd for a month later, which I don't really get that at all. Like, I thought the Champion Carnival match was incredible, and the you know the rematch was really great still, but still not not even close to this one. So I was a little bit surprised to see the uh, the rematch do as well as it did. And I was surprised this didn't do better. I just thought this was a, you know, really incredible match. Um, Marafuji really brought it here. And Miyahara, like, you know, his selling really took it to another another level. So I don't know. I just, I I really thought this was going to be like top 50 at least. And it did not do. Maybe the the, having two of them split the vote, but, or two so close together, especially. But yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Okay. Fifth place. Give me your fifth place match, Kevin. So uh, as I said earlier, I, I feel like <clears throat> I feel like I'm here representing Australian wrestling Twitter. So my fifth match uh, on my list was my uh, Australian wrestling match of the year. Uh, for people who read the uh, end of year awards that I did with the Scorpio Core and uh, Tim uh, for Voices of Wrestling, you'd know that it was actually our unanimous match of the year. Uh, for the Australian New Zealand scene, and that's Robbie Eagles versus Will Ospreay from uh, Pro Wrestling Australia in Sydney uh, on the 11th of August. Uh, the show's called Call to Arms. So I think probably the first uh, Eagles Osprey match from last year, from the same show a year ago for PWA. It's probably the Australian uh, match that's been seen the most because they put it up on YouTube pretty much straight away and it it probably went more viral than any of the other Australian matches which have gone up for free. Robbie Eagles uh, is the best Australian wrestler at the moment and I know he's doing really well with PWG and we'll hopefully see him returning to New Japan. I feel pretty confident that he will be in Best of Super Juniors but I really do hope that he gets signed full-time there. Uh, Osprey has just really been a godsend to the Australian scene. I think there's so much talent here and that Osprey noticed that, came over and had killer matches with people has just been fantastic for Australian wrestling. And him and Eagles have great chemistry there. They're both former backyarders, uh, and I believe the real reason why uh, Osprey really wanted that first match with Robbie was because they knew each other from, uh, they knew each other from like the dark web backyard scene of the early 2000s. Mm. And this ended up doing pretty, oh, sorry, I thought, keep going, I thought you were done. No, no, you're right. It did do pretty well. And I feel that's because there was a relatively large contingent of Australian voters this year, about five or six, I think. And I think pretty much every Australian voter would have had it on their list. Uh, What's cool about it is that Eagles shows a viciousness he hadn't really shown before. And it kind of feels like 
him graduating to not only the point where he was going to go to New Japan and there's the spot after the match where Osprey uh, hands him the J- Japanese flag from Osprey's tights also almost feels like this is the this is the graduation for Eagles to show that he'd be vicious enough to be in Bullet Club as well. So yeah, this finished 32nd um, and to get eight total votes and the highest vote was second. So somebody really liked this even more than you did. But interesting. Yeah. Um, what I'd say as well, if people are interested, and I think it's my favorite of Osprey's singles matches this year, but it's probably the uh, least seen of his of his big ones, just based off the fact of where it was. And uh, the even though Australian wrestling has a lot more eyes on it than it did a couple of years ago, still it's nothing compared to uh, the amount of people watching European, UK, Japan, US indies. Uh, so if people are interested, it's on Pro Wrestling Australia's uh, Pivot Chair, which is PWA Play, uh, and it is also on Powerbomb.tv. And I know that uh, the Scorpio core once told me that he thinks it's probably the best single match on the Powerbomb service. Mm. All right, cool. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Derek, give me your fifth place match. Fifth place, June third, wave is Misaki Ohata versus Rina Yamashita. And did this make it out of Sadness Village? This, by default, just given the number of voters, this had to be out of Sadness Village. Yes. All right, cool. Uh, um, sell me on this match. To, to sell you on the match, all I should have to say is Rina Yamashita. But uh, <laughs> if that doesn't do it, uh, this first of all you're gonna have a hard time seeing this match because i think wave took down everything from their video service or their some error on there but uh this was a fun match because ohada was in the middle of her hot streak and then yamashita who hadn't really done too much in wave other than uh winning catch the wave uh but uh she hadn't been really doing that much like her matches were fine but they weren't standout throughout that point of the year but she came out almost seeming like she had a chip on her shoulder wanting to put on something great, and she just absolutely tore Ohada apart. Ohada ended up winning that match, but it was a really fun one just to see kind of Ohada struggling to stay in there, Yamashita throwing out pretty much every power move and every strike she has, and it's a great way to jump into uh, Rina Yamashita's current era of her career if you can actually find this match somewhere. Um, interestingly enough, this and another Mizaki Ohada wave match both got one single fifth place vote, and that was it. Do you know what the other yeah. one was? I think the other one was uh, the uh, Ohada Nakajima match yeah, from Wave from February, from February 12th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was their uh, first wave match. They had another one later on in Catch the Wave, but that one is only on DVD. So, uh, and pretty much every if you find an Ohada match from the first half of last year, you're gonna have a good time. Yeah. All right, thanks, Derek. Uh, Sean, give me your fifth-place match. Uh, so my fifth-place match on my list was the uh, two-out-of-three falls match for the IWGP heavyweight title from Dominion, uh, Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada. Uh, just full disclosure, uh, I the first eight matches on my list were all uh, five stars, at least in my in my view, they were. So when it came to putting my list together, it was more just sort of figuring out. Uh, aside from my number one, where I wanted to place all of them, 
and I, I figured this one was going to get a lot of votes, so I just sort of flipped a little lower than it probably should be, just so I can give a couple extra votes to some other matches that I wanted to get a little bit more recognition. But, you know, uh, I, I think someone talked about this match already, uh, and honestly, there's not a ton to add on to it compared to what's already been said. Uh, I think a lot of us were scared of how long this one was going to go, considering that was no time limit. But uh, surprisingly, it, you know, I think it only went like 70 minutes or so, which is only, I mean, only 70 <laughs> minutes. But people did think that it was going to go like 90 or something. So in that respect, it was shorter than some people thought it would be. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, they, they paced it really well. I thought the falls were all pretty great and unique in their own little ways. And uh, yeah, and the big moment was that everyone wanted to see was Omega, you know, finally... Uh, winning the title and finally you know, ending Okada's uh, legendary uh, title reign. And in that respect, it was a great moment to end uh, what was a spectacular match. All right. Thanks, Sean. TJ, give me your fifth place match. TJ. Uh, my fifth place match ended second on the VOW awards. It was Johnny Gargano versus Almas. And I lied. I actually did rewatch this match. And when I rewatched it, I realized how depressed I was that Andrade wasn't used until like three weeks ago on the main <laughs> roster. But he's one of my favorite wrestlers in WWE, and this match kind of just showcased all of that. And despite interference spots being kind of crap in WWE most of the time, I think it kind of enhanced the match. The, Zelina, the one Zelina spot was kind of... That like it just it was there. It wasn't as bad as when he faced um what was his name? Um uh, I can't remember his name, Scottish wow. guy. But whenever that match happened, but this match it happened, Candace ran out ran out, scared her off, and then almost won despite the interference. Like like he didn't require the interference to win, which I really appreciated because you know, Dodo, you can do that kind of stuff and just ruin the champion, but Andrade won definitively. The match was really good, and I can't really complain about it. All right. Um, thanks, TJ. Kevin, what do you have in fifth place? All right. My fifth place is from uh, Beyond Wrestling in July and is David Starr versus Joey Janela, no ropes barbed wire match. So um, this match had been a few that has been building for Months and months and months and beyond, they had a fans bring their weapons match previously, and it was basically over who is the ace of Beyond Wrestling. And so they did a, a no ropes barbed wire match. And usually with death matches uh, these days, there's not that much context to them other than the idea of brutality and um, surviving. And like who can be, who can survive more punishment. But this one was based on pure hatred, two guys that just absolutely hated each other. There's not really room in the promotion for both of them. And it's just incredibly violent and brutal with lots of just really vicious looking um, big like bumps to the outside through barbed wire stuff. And just um, they did like they would take normal deathmatch bots and just ramp them up and make them more violent. Like there's a sequence where they do the traditional like stapling spot except instead of just being like haha look at me i'm stapling somebody there's like real hatred and and 
anger and each single time, like exchange back and forth. And it just really, um, culminates really well. And there's some story stuff that had built off of everything else previously, but each spot just feels really big and important. It's kind of like a indie version of the FMW, like Kudo versus Toyota exploding ropes match. That one's maybe a little bit more dramatic, but as far as just building up to every spot and everything, meaning something and just the violence factor, I think that this match really checks all those boxes. And I think it's the best, um, American death match this year for sure. Okay, thanks, Kevin. Uh, MRT, give me your fifth place match. MRT, my fifth place match. Uh, sorry, I had a little bit of trouble there. Uh, my no fifth match is the f- real family versus the ungovernables. The uh, the first LA Park, uh, Familia Real versus Ingobernables. Uh, match after LA Park's return. I mean, this is this is a match I did not think I would get to see happen because of LA Park being banned from CMLL. I mean, I've been, you know, watching fan cams and, you know, whatever of you know LA Park versus Roosh um, tags and singles matches for, you know, a couple years now and it's always been like, man, what if they could do the the mask match? What if they could do the big singles match? But it's not going to happen in CMLL, and you know, it's not going to happen anywhere else. But this summer, we 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 came as close to it as we're probably going to come. And um, I mean, this was this was amazing. Um, there's something about these matches where the, you know there, there's plenty of there's plenty of cool dives. There's the the other guys aren't useless in them. But there's there's this always this great moment where and sometimes the moment happens twice where Park and Roosh end up in the ring face to face after like just all this chaos on the outside. And even though they've been brawling in the crowd or, you know, throwing each other into chairs and uprooting chairs and just doing all sorts of stuff where, you know, come buckets are thrown at people that didn't happen in CMLL. There's just this moment where they face off and it's it's incredible and the crowd was so into this and it was it was an incredible incredible moment i love this match uh and this ended up finishing 31st which is pretty good it's pretty pretty good um especially since i didn't think this was the best of the uh the trios matches they had and uh, I, the one that I thought was the best obviously didn't finish anywhere close to this one but uh I, i'm glad it, i'm glad it finished high yep all right, thanks, MRT. Fifth place, I have Kenny Omega versus Tomohiro Ishii from August 4th in New Japan. Um, other people already talked about it, so I won't go that long, but um, this ended up finishing fourth in the final list. This is by far the closest I got to, um, you know, matching the the final list. But yeah, you know, they kicked out a lot of stuff. They hit each other very hard. In a lot of ways, it's like the exact type of match that um, you know, I want to see out of my Japanese wrestling and, you know, as much as Kenny can annoy me sometimes, he really didn't annoy me at all here. I thought this was a pretty incredible match. The first match of my list now that hit the full five stars for me last year. So number four, Kevin, what do you have in fourth place? For number four, I have a match that you've talked about, uh, early in, in your list, uh, Tanahashi versus Okada from the Destruction Tour. Uh, 
I thought this was excellent. I think it's maybe a little overshadowed by the angle that follows on from it and stuff like Yoshihashi breaking his head as well. I think that might distract people from this excellent, excellent match. But, you know, it's one of the all-time great rivalries and you're seeing it and even though you think, oh, it peaked in at Wrestle Kingdom 10 and then, oh, maybe they came back with Dontaku, uh, but you, you can't get more out of it, but they can. And I really liked how Tanahashi since Wrestle Kingdom 10 has just not been able to beat Okada, but he can here, although it's really by the absolute skin of his teeth and really didn't feel like a final resolution. It felt like it was because uh, Okada was distracted too, right? That's that's what I thought. Which we supposed to yeah, it, it was the 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 like cross buddy off the top, if I remember right. Yeah, but which, I just mean like Okada was so distracted with like the Jay White stuff and chaos kind of melting down and losing his title and all that. It just felt like it was the perfect storm for Tano to finally beat him. Yeah, um, and I think it's one of the things which leads interestingly to when they meet next because. Uh, it, it did feel like it, it wasn't Tanahashi reclaiming that he was better than Okada. It felt like he was just able to beat him. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, what do you have in fourth place, Derek? I've got another Joshi match. Uh, Takumi Aroha and Mei Hoshizuki versus Yoshiko and Mikoto Shindo from Marvelous December 24th. Any, any idea where this finished? Uh, this finished tied for 135th. Oh, you're moving yeah. up. Yeah, it's <laughs> still just me voting for the next couple of them, but uh, that'll change soon. But yeah, this was the direct sequel to my 10th match. Uh, it was basically the two rookies still going at it like they were the week before, but then this time they were paired together with Iroha, who's essentially the ace of Marvelous, and then Yoshiko, who is pretty much that same level of, at seedling and... It's just great. Uh, Aroha and Yoshiko work together as well as any two people do in Joshi right now. And the Yoshiko Shindo tag team is particularly interesting because Shindo's debut in August was against Yoshiko. So she got a bit of a beat down, but they also have some sort of strange chemistry with each other that is an absolute joy to watch. And I think they're still getting paired together uh, in matches already this year. Did you see what the what the DET slash Abima graphics department gave Aroha for her DET debut at Corican last weekend? Like a little I, scoring thing? I didn't. Uh, I haven't watched they, any DDT yet. They gave her a ten in EK Men Girl. That was the that was the stat she got a ten in. Well that <laughs> that's a time. Yeah. All right, thanks, Derek. Yeah. Uh, Sean, what is your fourth place match? My fourth place match is uh, another match from the uh, G1 Climax from the B Block. Uh, this time it's uh, Kota Ibushi versus uh, Tomohiro Ishii from uh, July 28th. Um, this was just a, an, an outstanding match, really. Um, you know, you got the typical stuff from Ibushi, you know, him doing moonsaults off of balconies and all the crazy shit he does. Uh, Ishii was, you know, his, his great self to it just doing ishi things um but what really put this over the top for me is that it it sort of just felt like the most uh at least for me it felt like the most violent match of the entire tournament and violent in just the sense that they were just you know beating the shit out of, shit out of each other with you know headbutts and kicks and forms and 
chops to the throat, the whole nine yards. They had it. They did everything, and it was it was sick at times, but it was just unbelievably amazing. Um, and it really just sort of uh, encapsulated their, or it was just an exclamation point, I guess you could say, on their entire you know runs in the tournament because uh, for the G ones now, I. Uh, have a spreadsheet where I basically track the average star ratings that I give for the matches and yeah, me too. sort of how they do. And actually during the tournament or getting, I guess sort of preparing for the finals, I went back and checked the averages for all the other tournaments that I watched. I think I first started watching on the, the 2013 G1 um, and Ibushi and Ishii for this year for me, like tied with the exact, like literally the exact same like percentage, like right down to the decimal. And for me, they've, they were both had the best tournaments or the best individual like tournaments, like out of all the G ones I've seen. So both of them had just in- incredible runs in the G one. And, uh, you know, that match against, they had against each other was just part of it. Now I, I have to admit, I was a little surprised this finished 10th. I just didn't see this one being one of the New Japan matches that, you know, was going to escape the New Japan all caught up kind of thing. I thought it'd be like in the 20s somewhere. So I don't know. Did you think it was going to be 10th? Um, I guess if the highest I would have seen it would be maybe the back half of the top 10. Uh, but I wouldn't, I would not have been surprised if this was sort of in the, in the like 11 to 20 range. But uh, I'm pretty happy that it did manage to uh, crack the top 10 at 10th place. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. TJ, what's your fourth place match? My fourth place match is Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kota Ibushi from the G1 Climax Finals. It's already been talked enough, so I'm not going to go too into it. But I really liked how fierce both of them were competing in that match. And I really thought Ibushi was going to win. I thought they were going to do Ibushi versus Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. Kind of happy I was wrong. Because I'm like with Tanahashi winning, it was a really good feel good moment. And obviously, with him winning Wrestle Kingdom, it was even better of a feel good moment. But yeah, I really liked the match. I liked the ferocity of both of them. And nice cap to the G1, even though Tanahashi didn't have as great of a G1 as I would have hoped. But A Block was kind of meh most of the time. So I'm not really shocked. All right. Thanks, TJ. Kevin, fourth place. My fourth place match is also Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kota Ibushi from the G1 final. And um, all I'll say is that I think that the best part of New New Japan this year was the story, their entire year being based around Hiroshi Tanahashi, but you're not really realizing that until the, towards the end of the year. I mean, if you look like it's basically about him not being able to beat Minoru Suzuki in the beginning and having uh, Okada, overcoming him finally and all that stuff. And you'd think that Tanahashi is on the back burner, but then this match really solidified that he is still the man and he can still do everything. And even going into this match, I was convinced that it was, uh, that Tanahashi's role was to put over and make Koto Bushi turn him into an absolute megastar. But really it was Obushi showing that Tanahashi is still, um, the king of New Japan. So I really appreciated that aspect to it. And then otherwise, this is just exactly the big feeling New Japan G1 Climax final match that I want. And it's between two guys that I think are are both very great. So, yeah, it was number four for me. Thanks, Kevin. 
Uh, MRT, give me your fourth place match. My fourth place match is from Mexa Wrestling. It is the mask versus mask match between Flystar and Toxin. And I am actually really happy that a couple other people or at least one other person voted for this match because this year was the best year for death matches in a while. Um, the Kodaka Takeda match was obviously gr- or matches were great. Um, the um, GCW had some incredible ones. I mean, you obviously had the tournament of survival. You had the Nick Gage Invitational. You had the uh, David Arquette match and some others. Um, I mean, to the point where I was actually kind of bored during the uh, Joey Janela David Starr match, just because I'd seen so many and I'd been standing up for a four-hour show. But this uh, Fly Star versus Toxin was one of the most brutal matches I've ever seen. I mean, I was genuinely disturbed watching this at times, especially because it's a mask versus mask match, and both guys are covered in blood. And to the point where I forgot that one of them was even wearing a mask. Um, there's there's so much crazy stuff. There's some absolutely brutal uh, wooden skewer spots. There's a crazy, it's less a stage dive and more a dude just gets chucked off of a, a balcony <laughs> through what's kind of a table. And at the end, like you, you just have this crazy death match with some insane daredevil spots and then at the end you know you have the drama and the pageantry of a mask match and it was it was great um this is one of the only matches this year that i watched multiple times i think i watched uh the uh the park rouge match twice and maybe one other match twice and this match i watched three times because when when I heard about it, there was only a fan cam up, so I watched like a 40-minute fan cam, then an edited version that was like 30 minutes, and then an edited version of the whole match, and it was it was great. I watched it again last week. It, this is an incredible match. Uh, these guys are completely insane. So this finished 98th, which is cool. It made the top 100. This was the third match um, in the top 100 that all took place on August 4th. So it was a good because both those two G1 matches, Omega Ishii and Naito Ibushi, were on the same date. So, and kind of interesting. That has to be like the best date, probably. Um, for like most for most matches. Yeah, although maybe this year, January 4th, we'll be able to compete since uh, there was a really great Arena Mexico show uh, the same night. Mm. All right. Thanks, MRT. Uh, my fourth place match, I had Zeus versus Kento Miyahara from October 21st in All Japan. Um, I just thought of the two Zeus Miyahara matches, I thought this one was, you know, quite a bit better. Um, it was really just the the kind of like big pure wrestling title match you could really kind of like close your eyes and just imagine. Um, and one of those images that really will stick with me was Miyahara like grabbing Zeus's arms for his uh, shutdown German suplex hold. With Zeus like frantically struggling with everything he had out of sheer desperation and like knowing he's absolutely defeated if Kento hits the move, but then he kicks out anyway, which is just one of my favorite moments. He actually managed to kick out of that fucking move. Um, but of course, Kento ended up putting him away in the end. But yeah, absolutely outstanding match. Um, great, like, you know, just power battle slash, um, you know, kind of old school Puro title match. 
And I was a little disappointed it didn't quite make the top 25. It just missed. I fancy in 26. Uh, I would have liked to see it do, you know, a little better. But I, I think, again, having another Zeus-Kento match that had an emotional reaction for some people uh, with Zeus finally winning the belt in August, I'm sure that split the vote a little bit. But I definitely thought this was the better of the two. Okay, so, Kevin, give me your number three match of the year. My number three, which uh, I suppose is not going to come as much of a surprise considering what I just had as number four and actually where they both ended up on the eventual list, uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Hiroshi Tanahashi from Wrestling Dontaku in May. Uh, this was, it felt to me, like Tanahashi's darkest hour. Uh, he shouldn't have gotten the match based off his prior form. He uh, had the entire crowd going for him, but he just couldn't get it done, and he loses to just one rainmaker off the tight pull. And I've always kind of felt like Tanahashi feels like the manifestation of the New Japan Lion in the logo. And in this match, he felt like the sad, aging lion who's getting kicked out of the pride by the new younger leader. Uh, it was emotional, and that's the main reason why it goes above the September match for me. Um, I guess maybe I just like downer endings sometimes. Uh, but it also set up his entire year and set up his uh, his rise to to coming back from the depths of this despair to once again being IWGP champion. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting was... I was actually at the 2016 G1 finals. So I was at Sumo Hall for uh, Okada and Tanahashi's second G1 draw. And something I really noticed there, and this was after Wrestle Kingdom 10, so kind of after the ace baton had really officially been passed to Okada. But when you ask the Japanese crowd to choose, they pretty much always chose Tanahashi. And that was really evident in this match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's also interesting that they finished exactly next to each other on the final list, just like they did on mine. Kind of suspect that maybe me putting this above the September match might be what the difference is in terms of the votes. Yeah, we'll have to wait for the list to come out. To Well, the list will be out by the time people are listening to this, but it's not out as a recording. To I don't have the exact stats on uh, the vote numbers. It's just the order I got, but we'll say it wouldn't. It, it could be. You could be right. Um, but yeah, the, the thing of what you were just talking about with Tanahashi's popularity, it was like in the build to this match that Tanahashi, like all of a sudden, was like winning every fan poll in in Japan for the rest of the year. Basically, um, you know, he went to he went from being a guy that in 2017 was still very popular. I think he was finishing like third or fourth in most of the fan polls that I saw. But this past year, he just like rocketed up to the top and was winning every single popularity poll and. I think it had a lot to do with the build of this match with him as like the, the aging star trying to get one more, one last run on top and keep Okada from breaking his record. And, you know, like Kevin said, the other Kevin said earlier, um, you know, the entire year ended up kind of being about him in a way that really clicked. I mean, you want the guy who you're pushing as the top guy to win at the dome the next year to be the most popular guy. And according to all those polls, that's what Tanahashi basically was. So. Right, yeah, thanks, um, it's oh, just keep going. Go ahead. Uh, it's okay. Uh, 
what we were saying, I think Tanahashi really, this story of Tanahashi just, I kind of think brought up like all the emotions, particularly in Japan surrounding him and really made people who, who maybe have more moved on to being a Kenny fan or being a Naito fan or, or being an Okada fan and just really played on, on those deep feelings of, of, of love and energy that people have for Tanahashi and really just pushed him to this upper, this upper level of stardom once again. Yeah. I mean, like, and the, the, the legend getting the last, like one last run thing is always been like a trope in new Japan. Anyway, if you look at like Tatsumi Fujinami getting the title in like 98 or, you know, there's even other examples. Um, God, who's the one I'm thinking of? I mean, Ricky Church, who had a bunch of runs, you know, towards the end of his career too. Yeah, and it's uh, something that WWE is so bad at in comparison. Yeah, I know. Um, God, there was one more I was thinking of, but I can't think of who the fuck I was thinking of now. But what are you going to do? Oh, Nagata. Nagata. Nagata had that one last run in like, I mean, not that it was the end of his career, but it was like he was already pretty old and, you know, it was kind of like the one last hurrah as him as a main eventer in like 2007. And Keiji Muto had one like in 2008, although that was more like an invader type thing. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's kind of a trope there. So I'm not surprised they went to. I, I mean, this could be Tanashi's last run, but if it is, you know, he really went out on top with between the build to it and everything else. But, all right, thanks, Kevin. Uh, Derek, what do you have as your third place match? Third place from Stardom, June 17th. It's Momo Watanabe versus Jungle Kiona. Hmm, and where did this one finish? Uh, that finished tied for 118th. Somehow I was the only one to vote for it, which surprises me a little bit given how much I know people like that match. Yeah, and that this was the match where Momo really had to, you know, take her role like a month after EO left, right? This was EO Shirai's farewell show. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, uh, her and Kiona were given the okay to main event that show, and they, they absolutely delivered on it. Uh, it was pretty much uh, Momo deciding to step in and become the ace right after Yo had her farewell, which is a tough act to follow, but uh, those two pulled it off. Kiona's also impossible to root, uh, root against. She's absolutely fantastic. I wish she had bigger spots, but I think everybody who watches her kind of agrees with that as well. And then, as I've been saying, Mobile Watanabe is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah, very true. All right. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Yeah. Sean, what do you have in third place? My third place match is from the G1, again, from the B block. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito from night two, which was the uh, opening night for the B block. Um, so I, I've said this plenty of times before on podcasts and on Twitter and pretty much everywhere I can like screen this from the rooftops, but uh, Kenny Omega and Tetsuya Naito is probably my, my favorite pairing of any two guys ever. Um, I voted for their matches in the last two years. Number one in like in 2016, 2017 uh, the 2016 match. I still believe is the greatest match that I've ever seen personally and the 2017 match, which was the G1 Finals, wasn't that far behind. And sort of like what I said uh, with regards to uh, the Omega Ibushi match from earlier, uh, the fact that, you know, I give this match their 
their, their third match, which again they had on the opening night of the B block. I gave it five stars, and that's their that's their weakest match, which I, I just speaks to how much chemistry those two have together. Just every time they step in the ring, it's just it's just magic. And I I totally agree with what you said earlier, uh, John. Um, as far as like the the uh, the big four or five in New Japan, as and they're like different chemistries. I think Omega has the best chemistry with Naito by far. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I, you know, this is my, I, I would agree too that it's my least favorite of the three, but I still had it at four and three quarters. So obviously it's still uh, fantastic. Very quickly, I was there live for the Naito Omega 2016 match. Uh, you can kind of hear me shouting out Rocky Four during oh, Omega. Awesome. <laughs> I was there live. Off. I was there live for the 2017 one. So. Yeah. We just I need think to have I, somebody on from this year, and we would have had the whole trio cover. I think I was the only person in Sumo Hall who actually got what uh, Omega was referencing there. <laughs> um, Omega Omega Naito 2017 being in the building was crazy too because just funny watching. I, I was like in a section of foreigners cheering for Kenny, like in Bull, like Bullet Club fan foreigners, and they were very confused at me and the other people I was with they were all cheering for NATO. Like I think they just thought we were gonna be on their side because we're foreigners. And I'd be like, no, sorry, we're we're with the we're with the LIJ fans. What was intriguing about being there for the 2016 was everyone going in thought NATO was winning. Yeah. Absolutely no one thought Kenny had a chance there. And the way kind of the crowd turned during the match. Uh, that that's by far the the greatest match I've been at live. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what that's what put that uh, that match over the top for me when I watched it live at the time. It just I didn't think Omega had any chance to win, and the fact that Goto was in the finals, you know, further solidified that just because Omega versus Goto sounded like like you would not expect that for a G one final. So that made the result even more. You know, I was rooting for Kenny to win, even though I didn't think he was going to win, and when he did. It that just totally put it over the top for me. But yeah, the 2017 one, I feel like the crowd was much more split. Like, you know, I think people did expect Naito to win, but Kenny definitely had his fans in the building, so it definitely wasn't like nobody thought Kenny had no chance. All right, thanks, Sean. Uh, TJ, give me your third place match. My third place match was Takeda versus Kodaka from the June 20th show. Uh, big Japan. Yeah, from Big Japan, yeah, sorry. Um, could, uh, Takeda's first match I watched for him was in December of 2016, or wait, 2017 with him versus Takahashi. Everyone hyped that match up. It really got me into deathmatch wrestling, and this match even solidified that even more. Now I'm watching a lot more deathmatch stuff. It's like, it wasn't even just a good deathmatch, it was a good wrestling match. Takeda is like, he's a great deathmatch wrestler, but if you've seen the uh, Maji Manji show with the four way, I can't remember. It was uh, I can't remember who was in, all in it, but uh, it was Takeda. Takeda. Um, oh God, I really should know this. It was Takeda Mao Shinjiro Takagi. Higuchi, I think. Yeah, Higuchi. Thank you. Yeah, but yeah, that that made the top one hundred, I think, too. But yeah. But if you watch that match, you can tell Takeda's just a great wrestler. It doesn't matter if it's deathmatch or regular wrestling. And I love the Giga bladder spots. Everything about this match was great. 
Oh, sorry, I said Takagi. It was Takashi. That was the fourth guy. Oh, yeah, Takashi. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking Takagi's in it because Mal runs him over the car. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. That spot was great. Yeah. But but yeah, this this match is awesome. This June twentieth Big Japan match. Um, it finished seventh on the final list. Which what did you think, TJ? Do you think it was going to be around in the top ten? Were you surprised? I I I had dreams of it finishing like fifth, but I guess you can't really complain about seventh. Yeah, I figured it was gonna be a top ten, just about about how hyped it was. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised it wasn't in the top five either, because not a lot of people watch Deathmatch Wrestling. Yeah. All right, thanks, TJ. Kevin, third place match of 2018. All right, my third place match is um, from NXT Takeover Philadelphia: Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas. I was at this one too. Um, I think that it's just the perfect encapsulation of what a, a current WWE match and match structure really wants to be. And I think it achieves that a hundred percent. It's got big drama. It's got um, big moves, lots of like uh, big near falls. I think that the story um, is told really well, both within how, how, um, they structure the match and the pacing. Also, it does have some WWE tropes like the uh, the manager, the heel manager, and then the um, wife making the save and running her off. And I think that that um, earlier TJ kind of wrote that part off, but I really think that it actually helps enhance the moment and makes it feel even bigger and makes you kind of have a mini victory before you hope to achieve the big victory at the end. And we don't quite get that victory there, which in hindsight with how the rest of the year has gone, they gave you that big victory, the next uh, takeover, but then kind of took it away after that. And it was really weird. So maybe Gargano should have won this one and given the crowd what they wanted then. But still, I think that everything about this, it was just one of those matches where going in, there's expectations that it was going to be good, but you maybe don't realize how transcendent it actually may be. So when it when you get that just really organically great match without the gigantic expectations, I think that that can really help to make it even better than uh, otherwise. So, yeah, that is my number three. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, can uh, I interject for a second? Sure. Yeah. With the, uh, the interference spot with Zelina and Candice, I think you're right. It enhanced the match a little bit because this was the height of Johnny's um, popularity, really, I think, because a lot of people soured over him over the Johnny Chompa feud. And I think it was, it was a good spot because you get the victory, like you said. Selena is getting chased off by Candace, and you think, oh, Johnny's going to win now because now Almas doesn't have any help to help him win. But then you get the bittersweet moment of Almas winning Johnny even without the help. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, cool. Thank you both. Uh, MRT, third place. Okay, so in third, I have Omega versus Okada from Dominion. Uh, honestly, what is there to say about this match? I mean, even even if I was the first person to bring up this match tonight, like there's been so much said about it that, I don't know, it, it was a really great match. I think I like longer matches more than most people or maybe more than most people on this on this uh, show, I which is weird since like at this point I just I mostly want to see athletic stuff and you know lots of cool moves and lots of acting like a badass and this match was 
you know, the when they're being badasses, it's much more subtle. And while Kenny does lots of cool moves, there's lots of time in between those moves. And again, like um, like some of the park matches, uh, uh, like um, the uh, Cavernario uh, Phoenix match, this made excellent use of two of three falls. Which is part of the reason why I laugh when people are like, oh, uh, Sam L needs to go away from two out of three falls. You know, it's just, it's stupid. Well, you know, most of the time it is. But when when it's used well, it, it adds a lot. And in matches like this, it I, I it's it stands out. I don't know. It, it stands out because they don't do it. But the, the anyway, the, the final few minutes of this match are just fantastic. Um I mean, everything from the drop kick on is utterly incredible. I, I thought their uh, their draw was, um, you know, probably the second best match, and this one was a little bit better. Where you know, everything from when the young bucks come out of that draw is fantastic, and everything after that that dr- the drop kick in this one is just just some of the best stuff I've I've ever seen, let alone this year. But unfortunately this year had uh, some other things going on in it. So even uh, Kenny getting that big win, which I mean, again, I think I liked his title reign more than pretty much everyone. So this match, you know, it didn't really sour on me at all. It, that's still like a great moment. I'm like really glad we got what came in the next six months and um, uh, just, just really, really cool stuff. Uh, and great selling. I think, uh, Omega is an under underrated at selling. I think he's actually really fantastic. Um, kind of reminds me in some ways of, uh, Mudo. All right, cool. Thank you. Uh, I have third place. I have Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi from the August 4th G1 show. Um, I kind of knew going in that this was going to end up getting overshadowed by the Omega Ishii match on the same day. So I wasn't really that surprised that it finished uh, in 60th. I would have liked to see it make the top 50 at least, but, um, you know, I got, I, I understood that it wasn't really uh, going to stand out for a lot of people. I just thought what they did when they went out there and had to follow that Omega Ishii match that just like basically tore the house down doing every single move ever invented. Um, you know, the crowd was very quiet at the start and they really had to win them over again and they just went out there and did a completely different kind of match that really built slowly but by the end of it you know they had the crowd going just as wild as they were going for omega ishii so that was quite the achievement and even though i put it just a little bit below the their 2017 g1 match i still thought this match was incredible as well and yep so that's why i have it third like i said i would have liked to see it do a little bit better but what are you gonna do all right kevin what do you have in second place? Number two, uh, a match which has been talked about a lot so far, uh, Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada, two out of three falls from Dominion. I actually did watch this match again. Uh, the only two matches uh, I specifically watched again for my top ten list was one and two because I was still felt I needed a second viewing of both matches to to make sure I was making the right decision, to make sure I was voting for the match which spoke to me more. Um, I, I think it's an amazing match, uh, especially live. It really kept my attention throughout the entire length. Uh, a moment that no one else has brought up, which I just wanted to highlight that I really like, is when 
Kodobushi jumps up on the apron and it's like the Ibushi Styles match uh, from 2015 and encourages uh, Kenny to go for the Phoenix Splash. And when Kenny missed the Phoenix Splash, that was the moment when I thought he was actually most in danger of losing. That was the moment when I thought, oh, maybe this is, uh, this is actually Kota screwing Kenny over and this is where it's going rather than feeling like Kenny was going to win, which I think most people did feel. Um, you know, it's a great match. Uh, on a second viewing, it didn't speak to me the same way my number one did. Uh, but it's also, I think, really cool how it ended up being one of the fulcrum point fulcrum points of uh, New Japan for the year. So we had Kenny's reign, which uh, I also, I think, liked more than most people. But you also had this as the birth of Sad Balloon Okada, which I would have never expected was where they were going, but I ended up being into it. All right, thanks, Kevin. Uh, Derek, what do you have in second place? Second place from September 17th, Oz Academy, Hikaru Shida versus Aja Kong. This was, like again, one of my very last cuts, and I, in hindsight, I wish I voted for it. Yeah, uh, this a, one got a lot of votes uh, compared to everything else I had. This one, I think, was nine votes. It got 35th overall. I was a high vote, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's great match overall. If you're going to watch if you haven't watched any Joshi from last year and you want to try a match out, this is a great one to go with because it's Sheeta, new champion. She had fought for a long time to get that title going up against Aja Kong, who's almost 50 huge, not taking any, uh, not really getting shaken up by anything. And Sheeta's just basically throwing everything she has the whole time. And it's a really great kind of, not really an underdog match, but more of a, weaker opponent trying to take down somebody bigger than them uh, who is not necessarily better than them. It's just a wonderfully worked match. It's intense. Uh, there's a point where Aja Kong gets busted open or cut open. I don't know which, but then she's uh, she just looks badass with her blood running down her face, grabbing Sheeta's cane and using that as a weapon. She does go like digging deep and just trying to hit knees constantly and do whatever she can to take down Kong. It's I could just ramble on mindlessly for hours on end about this one, but it's definitely something worth checking out if you want some intensity in your matches. Yeah, I mean, I really love this match too, and it was really, really an incredible match uh, between two. Well, between the legend Aja Kong and yeah. someone who thinks he's on her way to being a legend in Hiroshima. So I, I would agree with that fully, uh, especially with uh, the way this title reign's been going. She's only had two defenses so far, uh, unless they've had a third one recently, but I don't think they have. But uh, if she gets some time with this title reign, it's going to be a tough one for people to beat in the future. All right. Thank you, Derek. Sean, second place. All right. My second place match is the uh, fifth. Uh, match from the G1 that's on my list. It's uh, Kenny Omega versus Tomohiro, Tomohiro Ishii from uh, Osaka on August 4th. Um, yeah, this was just a spectacular match from start to finish, really. Uh, I think looking back on it, I think Omega playing that sort of subtle heel right at the very beginning of the match uh, really went a long way into like really getting you behind Ishii because he was just acting sort of like a dick to him at the beginning, and that just made you want to see Ishii, you know, kick this guy's ass. Um, and there was just so much great stuff in this match, from, you know, that great, like, smirk that Ishii gave at one point that seemingly went all over the internet, uh, just to the, the final, you know, the final stretch, which was just amazing. I mean, they had 
uh, a series of great matches in 2017, but uh, I think this match was better than all of them. And Ishii getting the win at the end was just like the the perfect like exclamation point on the match. Um, and the the blood from Omega at the end actually too, where he was bleeding from the mouth uh, pretty heavily from what I re- from what I can remember. At, that added just so much to it as well. So yeah, this is my favorite New Japan match this year, and it was just fantastic. You know, Tomohiro Ishii in the G1 is just you never. You can never, you know, uh, not anticipate his matches. They just deliver almost every time. Okay, TJ, give me your number two match of the year. My number two is Zeus versus Kento Miyahara from the October 21st All Japan show. I watched the show a lot, like a lot later after it aired because I saw that Zeus lost and was really sad because I really hoped they would give him a longer reign. But the match itself was really great. It didn't have the ending like the first Zeus Kento match, where Zeus was able to hold up his hold up a baby afterwards and show off his glory. But it was still a really good match, and it made me believe that Zeus was going to win, even though I knew he wasn't going to. Like a lot of the near falls were really great, and yeah, I, was, I just really enjoyed watching this, even though I knew the result. So I think that's a good thing for a wrestling match. Yeah, and I, I talked earlier. I'm glad you made the right choice of the two Zeus Miyahara matches. Um, all right, so uh, Kevin, go ahead and give your number two. All right, so my number two is from Big Japan on June 20th Masashi Takeda versus Asami Kodaka. So, uh, Masashi Takeda was my favorite wrestler in 2018. I thought that. He was wrestler of the year. Um, he was he won the Omakase Awards. He yeah, which was so yeah. sick. I was glad that that happened. Um, but yeah, so he every match he was in was for the most part uh really great, and he just brought a real danger to matches. He brought brought a freshness. Um, it felt kind of like lightning in the bottle with his title reign, um, which I think is kind of like the death match equivalent to some of the more famous non-death match reigns like the Okada reign, the Kobashi reign. I think that the, the Takeda one was really that good where you could uh, compare to those. And this was the pinnacle of that, of that reign. Um, this match was worked really uh, brutally, really fast paced, um, big spots, really brutal spots. The thing that I like most in the match is that, they uh, start right away with smashing light tubes on their own heads, and they kind of use that as a gauge throughout the match to like their health meter, where you can kind of see like how they they keep going back to it, and you, you can kind of see like the different ways that they when they just smash a light tube over their own head, you can kind of gauge where each guy is in the match, and I think that that's a really interesting way to 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 show kind of desperation and uh, exhaustion and that type of thing through that. And yeah, just huge spots, just really brutal looking. Um, I'm really glad that it did. Uh, It's the number one non new Japan or NXT match on the pulse. So I think that that's a massive victory for uh, a, a Japanese indie match and B a death match. So I think, um, 
I'm pretty excited that it was so high. I know that it was like one vote away, one point away from being number six, even, which slightly disappointing that that didn't do it there. But yeah, just a really great, great match. All right. Thank you, uh, Kevin. I might as well just say now, since you just covered it in such uh, <laughs> detail, that's also my number two match. So instead of having to go get into pretty much all the steps, same things you said, I'm happy you finished seventh. Um, you know, like, like I said earlier, I thought maybe a chance to get like into fifth or something, but seventh is still good for a death match. I don't know. What do you think, Kevin, about the placement? Oh, yeah. Like I said, seventh completely. I have no issue at all. Like last year, the Takahashi versus Takeda match was like 20. It was in the 20s somewhere, like late 20s. And I thought that yeah. that was a huge victory then. And this match only had a lot more buzz and hype. So getting it from there has been, I think is a big, I think that it did a really good job of getting uh, eyes on big Japan this year and not in the strong style division, which I think rarely, rare, rarely happens of um, even these days, just getting big Japan, getting any buzz at all, isn't as prevalent as it was a few years ago. And especially in the death matches that doesn't really happen. So I think that they have gained momentum from there too, because this year they're, they've been the best, promotion in japan so far so i think that it's only going to build from there all right thank you uh number two mrt what do you have i have uh roosh and the briscoes versus uh la park penta zero m and king phoenix from cmll and this is the only time in my top 10 i voted strategically where this is actually my favorite match of the year uh, but I thought Roosh versus LA Park had a better chance of finishing higher. Well, a much better chance of finishing higher. So I, I just put that at, at number one. But uh, this match, um, LA Park versus Roosh matches are all about two dudes just acting like badasses. There's some cool moves in there. There's uh, some, quote, storytelling. Uh, but um, this match, it replaces the the worst part or maybe the best part of Roosh LA Park matches, depending on how much you love uh, Bestia Del Ring. Um, but let's face it, the uh, the original in Gobernables, they're much cooler than Lij. They're a bunch uh... of they're a bunch of jacked up dudes uh, who hang out and do steroids. But um, Lij, uh, they're you know, at least slightly better wrestlers, maybe even much better wrestlers than the non-Roosh members of uh, the uh, the originals. So you you replace. I mean, Terrible is good, but uh, you replace one of the worst wrestlers in the world with a Briscoe and a not as good as a Briscoe with another Briscoe, and you get a match where like four dudes are just doing crazy stuff, and then two dudes are just out there hating each other with some of the best heat ever. Like some of the, the, the heat was in this match was as good as in the singles match. And it's like the perfect bookend to the singles match um, where in the singles match, Roosh basically is killed by LA park. The man like basically dies in this match. Um, Roosh gets his revenge and you know, he, he gets the upper hand on LA Park and both times they just give you the, the classic Rouge versus LA Park non-finish. And it seems like that we're going to get the mass versus hair match after it, even though 
you know, there'd been all these reports. It wasn't happening that we were getting, you know, an Atlantis versus of uh, Fuerza Guerrero match or just something horrible. And it just, Oh, it was so magical. It seemed like we were getting it. It seemed like, you know, we'd gotten this amazing parody booking in like the one time parody booking is great. We didn't get it, but this match is incredible. I love it. Every everyone should watch it. All right. Thank you for that, MRT. Number one, we finally reached the end. The number one match of the year. So, Kevin, what is your number one match of the year? It's one that's been brought up uh, quite a bit by the other people on this uh, on this talk. Uh, it's Tanahashi versus Ibushi from the G1 Climax final. Uh, and as I said before, the two matches that I, I definitely went out of my way to watch again was uh, Tanahashi versus Ibushi and Okada versus Omega because I knew it, those were my one and two matches and I had a leaning I suspected that on a rewatch I'd prefer Tanahashi Ibushi, and that was the case. I just thought this was brilliant. I thought what I was talking about when we started, uh, Lesnar versus Brian, that was one of the best heel versus heel matches I've seen. And this really felt like one of the best face versus face matches I've seen. You had two guys who both had these really compelling stories, and you kind of both want you kind of wanted to see them both win and there was the added element of Ibushi having Kenny in his corner after their big uh, reunion you had Shibata in Tanahashi's corner which made the match even more emotional uh, when I'm like physically reacting to the slaps Tanahashi is taking I know that I'm like completely invested in a match and there's the little stuff like when Ibushi gets into that like scary demon mode when his face just kind of goes blank and he's beating the shit out of someone. That, that's kind of like almost the height of pro wrestling to me. So I love this. I It's one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. And I, I was really happy to vote for it number one and that it ended number three. Uh, I thought if anything possibly could beat Okada and Omega that this might be it because Okada and Omega has a bit of that uh, love it or hate it quality in which there might be some people who left it off the list entirely. Uh, but, yeah, one of the best matches of the year and I think very, very worthy of being in the top five. All right, thanks, Kevin. Uh, Derek, what do you have as your number one match of the year? My number one match from April 1st in stardom, it was Yo Shirai and Tom Nakano versus Kagetsu and Natsu Sumire. All right. And where did this finish? This finished 59th. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I was the high vote. There were three votes on that one, I think. Mm, cool. Almost but, um, top 50. Yeah, this was the exploding bat match that they uh, put on in the end of their big Dream Slam tour at the beginning of last year. And... It was never really in question in my mind what my number one vote would be. Uh, I tried to talk myself out of it, and there was no sort of reasonable argument for anything else that I could come up with. Uh, this was an instance of stardom telling a slightly longer-term story than they usually do over the span of a, uh, eight months or so. Once uh, uh, Tom Nakano joined uh, the roster, they kind of built it up. There was every... Uh, each of the four women in the match had their own role. Uh, Kagetsu was there just to basically destroy Io. Io Shirai's main focus was to not 
mess up because she was hesitant to be in the match. Tom Nakano was there because this was her match. She wanted to get revenge on her former stable. And then uh, Natsu was kind of the uh, one that stood out from all of this because she was a complete wild card who absolutely showed up and delivered. And that might still be the best match of her career. Uh, it was a brawl. It was a fight. It was a spectacle. There, Like I said, there was never any doubt in my mind of what I was going to put number one. And I would defend my stance on this one to the death. All right. Thanks, Derek. Yeah. Uh, what do you have for your number one match of the year, Sean? So my number one match of the year for 2018 was from NXT TakeOver Philadelphia. It was the match that uh, some people have mentioned already. Uh, Andrade Cien Almas versus Johnny Gargano. So it's your uh, fault to beat Tanahashi Ibushi. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if it was my fault. I mean, I submitted my belt on the last day, but I don't think it was one of Wow, it could have been your fault. It could have been your fault. Maybe. But uh, so I went like other people on this uh, call. I uh, also saw this match live and I was actually really uh, surprised about it. Cause on paper, you know, I, I felt like, okay, this is probably going to be a pretty good main event, but it, it sort of blew me away. And uh, as far as like how great it ended up being, you know, just, it just kept building and building throughout and the crowd reactions just got louder and louder with every like near fall, every big move. And, uh, like others have alluded to earlier, the interference, even though it was, you know, you had Selena Vega getting involved and Kansas, Candice LeRae getting involved, it sort of helped and enhanced the match in certain ways. Um, and the uh, can- when Kansas got involved and attacked Selena Vega, that was probably one of the biggest reactions of the, of the entire match. Um, but yeah, no, I just, from a live perspective, this was just incredible. And then when I watched it back on the network several months later, it more than held up i thought so for me this was uh an easy just choice for number one and it was my number one throughout the year all right thanks sean uh tj what do you have as your number one match of the year my number one match of the year is Hiromu takahashi versus taiji shimori from the best of super juniors finals and uh, that's my number one too by the way <laughs> thank you I'm a huge Hiromu fan, so that kind of disqualifies not disqualifies it, but makes sense why I chose it. But when I think of Hiromu now, especially after that match, there's three spots I think of him flipping or doing the sunset flip on Kushida at Wrestle Kingdom for the first time. Him licking the help they're licking the hat when Naito first asked him to join Los. And him flipping down those fucking steps at Korakuen, like that spot is burned into my mind. I, I, I fucking, I legitimately, like, you could ask my girlfriend who was watching it at the time. I like, I screamed, like, I screamed at the top of my lung because I was like, "What the fuck is this? Inc- this nutcase doing?" Yeah, like just, he, he <laughs> does incredible spots, and it's risking his own health. Like, obviously, we know, but I'm not going to get into that. But that spot, like, like this match was one of the. Obviously, it was the best match I saw all year, except voted at number one. But it also showcased Ishimori a lot. Like, his best of Super Juniors wasn't as good as I thought it would have been, considering how he came in. And I've seen some of his other stuff. But this match showed, like, he belonged in the division. And he was one of the best in the division. Like, he can his, some of the matches he's had since then haven't been as great. But this match showcased that Ishimori deserves to be the current 
IWGP junior champion and part of the division. And I'm excited for whenever Hiromi comes back and hopefully takes the title from him. I don't know. We'll see. But this match was just amazing to me at the time. And after Hiromi lost the title to Kushida at Dominion of the year before, I was, I've been waiting for him to ascend to this height again. So I was really excited when he won. Yeah, it felt like a release. You know, I totally agree. I might as well talk about it now too. Um, this is the match I put for match of the year too. And like, I don't know. I just felt like sometimes two guys just kind of make magic, and that's kind of why I thought. You know, that like the, it was one of those matches. The moment when it ended, I really was like, okay, this is probably going to be my match of the year, unless something else really amazing happens this year. Um, and you know, I, I rewatched it like I think the same night or the next day. So I've, I think I've seen this one like three times at least because then I rewatched it again for my big rewatch. And just, I don't know. It was like, you know, it, and it, they managed to do a match that was like part Lucha Brawl, part um, like super New Japan, like drama filled stretch run kind of that the promotion's kind of synonymous with. And, you know, they managed to go 30 minutes for that, but feeling like it dragged, which is a problem I have with a lot of matches of that length. And it just felt like it ended exactly where it should have without going into, into redundant excess. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just thought, and and I thought the way they did it too with, you know, Hiromu using that that D submission to beat so many guys throughout the entire tournament and then like having this match based around it a lot. But then, you know, at the end, he has to go back to the time bomb to win. I just thought that was such a great little in-match story. And, you know, I just thought it was incredible and, you know, very happy to vote for it first. I was a little disappointed to see it only finish in ninth. Um, I kind of had no doubt it would be top 10. I thought maybe, you know, it could do top five, but at least it made, you know, at least it made the top 10, I guess. I don't know, TJ, did you, did you think it was going to finish higher? Yeah, I figured it was going to be top 10, but I'm kind of disappointed at how it ended. But I figured it was going to split the New Japan voters, so I'm not completely surprised. Yeah. But I do love like what you said. Is like they built the whole tournament around his new move, the D. But then he didn't even need it to finish the match. Yeah, well, I mean, he couldn't use like he tried, but Ishimori just kept getting out of it. So ended up going. Yeah, like I, I think that kept Ishimori strong because they obviously needed him for the Wrestle Kingdom match. But like he tried the D, didn't work. He kept Ishimori strong, and then he finished with the time bomb. So it kept them both kind of strong. Yeah. All right. Thanks, TJ. Kevin, what is your number one match of the year? My number one match is from Dominion, uh, Kenny Omega versus uh, Kazuchika Okada. Um, all I'll really add about this match is that I think that they did a really great job of just building the drama of from fall to fall. It's really like three separate matches within, and then they kind of play them all off of each other really well. I think that it does really encapsulate in the drama of the entire title reign and of the previous two Omega Okada matches, sorry, the previous three uh, Omega Okada matches into this one match where it just felt like the stakes have never really been higher. Almost any in any match anywhere. That's how big it felt. So I thought I did rewatch this one, although I kept falling asleep while rewatching it, but it just, the stakes and the drama and everything, it just felt like, when I think of this year, this is the match that I will think about. If, but if you fall asleep watching it, could it be match of the year? 
It was rewatch. It was after work. It was at like I 10 o'clock at night. All right. I, know. I had to make that little crack in there. I, I really fall asleep during any match. I guess that's true. It doesn't help when there's 70 minutes or whatever, though. Yeah, there's a long uh, time where you can fall asleep. Yeah. All right. MRT, I already know what you voted for first, but go ahead and tell us. Because you can't. You okay. Can't I, I did already spoil it, but uh, my vote for first was L.A. Park versus Roosh. And, I mean, as I think about this match, maybe I didn't vote strategically. Um, oh, man, this is such a great, great, great match with such an amazing finish. <laughs> this <laughs> this match is part of the reason why, I, again, I said it earlier, I love two out of three falls. I love them in CMLL, even though a lot of the, you know, second falls are completely stupid but you get you get enough matches like this where they they do such creative things sometimes because they're creative storytellers and in others because neither guy wants (laughs) to lose and in this match i mean you had tremendous heat the the only flaw in this match the only flaw is that ellie park wears his old uh la parka costume which it's not as good as his ellie park costume it's just not it's boring and it's not as good. But um smash, you have crazy heat. You have both guys, you know, busting out a lot of their, their coolest stuff. And in the the last couple minutes where it's an actual match before it, you know, kind of becomes <laughs> LA Park just stomping on Roosh's face and punching him in the face as people try to uh get him medical attention you have some of the coolest stuff of the whole year where LA park basically no sells the, uh, the tombstone. And then we get I, from that, we get, so basically Roosh has this framed picture for some reason. It's been brought down to him. I never bothered to stop and look what the picture is, but he's going to smash it over LA parks head. And he's going to, he's going to beat the giant skeleton and as he's doing this, L.A. Park just sprints across the ring as fast as he can and spears him. And Roosh ends up taking the, the picture and just dies. Like, there's, there's blood coming down his back, and L.A. Park just beats the hell out of him. And again, it ends in, like, a DQ and then a countout, a double I think it's actually DQ, DQ, double countout. And it's one of the most definitive finishes you'll ever see. It's like a, as definitive as the third Daniel Danielson versus Morishima match where uh, Danielson gets disqualified, but he gets disqualified for just stomping on Morishima's nuts for like a minute straight. And he clearly just beats that man's ass. And in this match, you get the same thing. It's it's incredible. It's 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 just a great finish. It seemed like it was leading to something like the uh, the six man I mentioned earlier. It didn't. Whatever. This was uh, the, the match of the year by far. I've right. talked myself into it. <laughs> Thanks, MRT. And it finished twenty fifth. Were you did, did you expect it to be around there? Did you think lower or higher? I was hoping maybe it would get a little bit higher, but I think realistically, when I saw a twenty-five, I was like, okay, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I I thought maybe it would get the top twenty, but didn't quite make it. Yeah. All right, thank you, MRT. And as I mentioned already, um, I did vote for a boot for um, 
I almost said Ibushi, <laughs> for Hiromu and Taiji Ishimori as my number one match of the year. So I talked about it a little bit with TJ already, but that is the match that I picked for match of the year. Um, all right, so we can wrap things up here. Let's go ahead and do plugs and stuff. Anyone has anything to plug? Kevin, start with you. What do you have to plug? Uh, thanks for having me on again, John. Uh, what I have to plug. Uh, mainly writing articles for Voices of Wrestling. Uh, if people haven't checked out yet, um, the uh, 2018 Australian New Zealand End of Year Awards that myself and Scorpio Core did and, and Tim, uh, please check that out because we put a lot of effort into that and I think it's the best overview of uh, what happened in Australia and New Zealand wrestling in 2018. Uh, so uh, I've got some more articles coming on Voices of Wrestling, hopefully on some other outlets as well. And you can follow me at Kevin Chiat on Twitter. That's Kevin, C-H-I-A-T. All right, thanks, Kevin. Derek, what do you want to plug? Uh, mostly just follow me on Twitter, at Private Eyeball. Uh, that's pretty much if I have anything else to plug or I write anything, I'll post it on there and take it from there. Uh, okay. Other than that, just watch more Joshi. Watch more Joshi. Uh, Sean, what do you want to plug? All right. So I have a couple different things to plug here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SACDOR2994. Uh, you can follow my work on Voices of Wrestling, where I write reviews for everything from New Japan to Ring of Honor to Evolve to the occasional WWE show. Um, you can also check out my work in Fight Fighting Spirit Magazine, where I write recaps for Ring of Honor pay-per-views and Evolve Weekends. Um, if you want, I have this cool little thing I'm doing on the uh, VOW forums, where I am uh, basically sharing the pay-per-view cards that I'm doing for my EWR scenario right now, which is uh, 1998 WCW. Uh, a couple days ago, I posted my third card which was uncensored 1998 so if you want to check that out you can go on the vow forums and see that uh and finally this is more just a public service announcement um if anyone is looking for tickets to the or a, i guess a single ticket for uh wrestlecon super show wwn super show shimmer or kaiju big battle uh please message me via twitter or the uh vow forums or wherever i'm at um, I need to sell those tickets, so please, 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 somebody buy those tickets for me, please. I, I have tickets to sell too, which I should be doing this too, probably. But we'll we'll wait a little bit. We'll let you be the only ticket plug this week. <laughs> All right, thanks, Sean. TJ, what do you want to plug? Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at ASPIAR underscore. You can also follow me for Wrestle One translations at Wrestle W One underscore ENG. It links to a website. You can find all the translations of everything from November 2018 till now, pretty much. Hopefully, I'll have everything else up from January. And I write for Wrestle or for DOW for Wrestle One. Hopefully, I'll have a intro guide to Wrestle One. So if you're interested in getting it into Wrestle One. I'm hopefully going to have that up soon. And uh, yeah, that's about it. All right, cool. Thanks, TJ. Uh, Kevin, what do you want to plug? Kevin, you muted, then I'm muted, then muted again. Uh, whoops. 
<laughs> I uh, I don't really have anything else. I'm just following me on Twitter, Stan underscore underscore Hanson. I'm sure I'll write something at some point for VOW this year, but I have no clue what, and that's pretty much it. All right. And MRT, go ahead and plug your podcast and such. Um, well, I'd say follow my podcast on Twitter, but I never update that. Uh, so basically just follow Mongo underscore ebooks on Twitter and I will link to the podcast when I post it. It's a in-depth TNA history slash ROH history slash whenever I go to GCW shows and just talk about those with my friend Hulkamat. Um, I actually don't know if I recommend listening to the podcast. It's, uh, weird and probably kind of annoying as my entire feed is since i will just post about how bad wwe is half the time and how much i i you know think no one should watch the big trump fundraiser and then half of the rest of the time is pictures of me doing like aerial silks so it's a weird uh it's a weird mix maybe just follow at at ny64 tournament there will be another tournament coming up um the the worst thing in WWE history just wrapped up and we will be doing the worst person in the history of wrestling soon. Who, what one? I don't even remember seeing what one. The ring boy scandal one def- uh-huh. uh, defeating the um, greatest Royal rumble ever. Although the, the real finals was probably the death of Owen Hart versus the ring boy scandal. Yeah. Cause that, that was a really, wow. I'm just looking at the results now. 78%. All right. Thanks for coming on, everybody. Uh, of course, if you're listening to this, you can always follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase. Wrestling did not fit. We will be back with an episode of some kind. I don't really have a plan yet for next week. Maybe something on the new beginning in Sapporo shows. Maybe not. I don't know. But we'll see. So thank you, as always, for listening to Wrestling Omakase on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. We'll see you next time.